Does anyone have any good advice on how to get rid of this gopher that is eating, literally eating my house? What's and, with you and the small mammals, huh? Dude, I caught the one, but the real guy, I caught some, like, interloper who was just just coming through the yard just, you know, for a quick, quick, like, little grab, grabbing little goodies out of my wife's garden. But there's a real guy, and we saw him, he's huge. He's, like, the size of a dog. I mean, he's bigger than any kingpin. He's the king, yeah. Yeah. I need to give him a name. Like he's he's everywhere. He chews on the house, which I was not aware that groundhogs, which I've always called them, and I've always heard of a woodchuck. I thought that was a nickname for a beaver. Turns out, woodchuck's a nickname for a groundhog, not a beaver. So I see. The real question is, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck? Well, my fear is that he can chuck enough <laughs> chuck wood. Chuck the whole house. <laughs> that he, yeah, that he can chuck enough wood to like do serious. I can hear him under the house, and you can hear. It's like sounds like if someone took a bunch of like swords and was scraping on the the two by fours of the wall. And we've literally, like, I've he keeps digging this hole in the front garden. And I bet it, it's if you big. burn the whole house down, he'll die. Well, that's flame flamethrower <laughs> under the house. <laughs> I need a real solution, guys. No, I don't need the, sarcasm here. What would actually happen here? What's is his favorite food? The house would burn down, and that little he would escape, and yeah, that's true. Yeah, that would figure be, out his favorite food. Okay, make him a little plate of it, poison it. Dude, he's, if Google doesn't have your answer, why would you think Nate or I know how to get rid of a gopher? I, here's what I want. I want you to both pitch me something, and I'll try it, and no, we'll see if I either one of idea. you have... Anything I pitch you will be a joke and a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. I, you, I listen, just pitched you an idea. You didn't like it, so go to Figure Google. out his favorite food. Put it out there. Poison it. <laughs> poison it. Wait, you both have watched so much more Alone than I have. Like, You don't have any good thoughts on, on how I catch a critter like this? I'm just an observer, man. I'm not the one. Uh, the trap would have been my pick. Yeah, Paiute deadfall. That's how they always catch the Paiute small Paiute deadfall? I'll look yeah. it up. He, I mean, another thing is I'm afraid of poisoning and him dying somewhere. I got to deal with him. But I'm also afraid of my cat eating whatever I put out for him. Okay, then- second option. Figure out his favorite band. Put up posters. <laughs> say, favorite band this way. <laughs> Free concert. And then <laughs> lead him to a trap that you've set up, but you have to do the show so that he dies happy. Just, there, dude, there are companies that remove pests. You just need to call them. Or my idea. <laughs> you pick. What, ba- what, if you had to guess, Nate, what bands would a, would a groundhog be into? Like Pearl Jam. Pearl- <laughs> just no pause. Definitely Pearl Jam. Oh, that's groundhog type music. <laughs> This is Aaron, Jeremiah, and Nate. We play in a band together. We spent years in a band discussing music and everything else. This is a podcast mostly about everything else. Thanks for listening. Dude, he's so big that the hole, I could put like two basketballs through the hole underneath the front of the house. Dude, he can only eat so much though. You know what I mean? Just let him die off and... That's what, is that what you would do? Like if he was chewing on the house that you own, would you just ignore it? I don't. I'd have to see like the actual damage. You know what I mean. I can't see the damage. It's under the part of the house I can't get to. I just know how big a groundhog is and how much wood they could probably process. Just <laughs> this is might, terrible. How much wood they could actually chuck. Yeah, he yeah, knows how, how much wood a wood could chuck, know. and he's not impressed.
He's calculated it out. Yeah, he's he's sat down to think to do his calculations of how much the the woodchuck can chuck. I'm 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 thinking he could maybe work through one of the two by tens under your house, and you've got you got quite a few of those under there. So yeah, you would just let it. You just let it be free. No, honestly, I don't know. I don't. I have no clue. I didn't even know they would eat. The wood on your house so i have I, this guy's not, been branded the kingpin all right he's he could chuck a lot i'm i'm not worried wood. i'm not worried that he's actually going i'm worried he's just going to cause a problem down there that then i have to fix that's the reality of it like that he's and he's eating the food in our garden and he keeps wrecking the plants he's becoming a real so then and then three days you might ago, have to go hunting my friend i thought about that this is back to the conversation about buying a gun i thought about that like just that's what uh that's what your wife said. Your wife told my wife, you should just buy a gun and shoot him. And that's like the least Maggie answer I was... Uh, well, but I could buy like a one of us who's gone and hunting. Shoot I know. And then I remember that she's gone hunting. Yeah. And that her husband doesn't like to kill spiders. And I'm trying to do all the math and, and understand how that, you know, how to weigh all the wisdom out. Uh, that, for me, I always weigh why is the thing being killed and is it, is it a good reason? That's kind okay. of what it comes down to. Okay, so he's he's eating our vegetables and he's doing That's, some amount of destruction. For me, that wouldn't be enough reason to kill an animal. He's doing potentially potentially ruining my house. Yes, that would be enough reason. Now, if if the food was like my livelihood or something, if it's just a hobby and nice, like I'm not going to kill an animal for that. But if it's like, oh, we we live off of this, then like, yeah, that's kind of like, you know. It's just survival mode at that. I mean, point. I do feel and like same I'm with being... the house. Like, dude, you'd like that's, you know. Yeah, I feel like I'm being disrespected at this point because, I like it doesn't really matter what I do. Like I've that front hole he keeps digging. I've filled it with literally cinder blocks, and he pulled them underneath the house and threw them out of the way. Like he's he's a beefy boy. Like if you're pulling cinder blocks through through that crack, and he's just uh, dug it up every time. Like it's just no nothing to him. If you haven't Googled pest control services and gotten a quote, then I don't know what uh, I don't know what we are doing right now. Wow, this is that's the real answer right there. <laughs> Jeremiah, like, we've been joking around. I've been know. talking about Pearl Look, Jam, and he comes I in. I threw with this. cinder blocks in a hole. I'm out of ideas. I I'm need trying your to, ideas. I don't I, know how to use the computer. <laughs> I'm trying to do a podcast. Jeremiah's upset that I'm asking a question. What's his favorite <laughs> smell? <laughs> All right, spray the smell everywhere. I just want to know what Kingpin's favorite things are, and then use that again. What are his top drop, five? Drop like some Cheerios down the hole and create a trail out of the hole. No, okay. No way. Any goat named Kingpin is going to eat Cheerios. Okay, here's he's the not thing. He's not going to eat Cheerios. Beef jerky. If I have to call in some kind of guy to take care of this for me, I feel like then I'm just going to keep getting pushed around. Something else is going to move in. I need to learn how to deal with it. I need to figure it out. When I caught the, so that I can, because it's going to happen again where we live. Like, it's going to happen again. So if it's that I need to buy a Your gun, house has been marked, man. Your house yeah, has been marked. I don't want to show weakness. You know, I don't. Dude, literally, two days ago, I looked out, and there was a, uh, a raccoon the size of a cat, like not a baby one, in the tree behind my house, and he was just looking at me, like staring yeah. at me. Dude, the raccoon came up to the door when we lived there. Yeah. No, they they dude, they're not afraid of people. No, the no, Portland raccoons have like they've all spent time 
They they'll they look they, right you, at you. You would assume they are rabid because they just walk around normal during the day and come up to you. But it's just because. So, um, Parks and Rec. For those of who, who've ever seen it, like that, it it kind of gets the Midwest super well. Like the raccoon thing is legit a thing that we deal with in our neighborhood. Yeah, the the joke that Steve told me is the raccoons here will give you the finger. Like they yeah, literally just yeah. don't. They just walk by. They're like, because. Because my mom was saying, like, aren't these animals not supposed to be here? Like, aren't they supposed to be out in the woods? And I was like, well, <laughs> this is just where they're at. So they're just adapted to it. They're not scared of dogs barking right. or cats. Like, my cat and my dog aren't doing jack about this problem. My cat takes care of the mice. Mary doesn't freak out about the sound? She, she absolutely freaks out, but it doesn't oh, do anything. Okay. It just, oh, that's the other problem. They eat our food. They're chewing on the house so they could cause damage. But the biggest real problem is the groundhog likes to get active around 6 in the morning, which is two hours before my wife wants to get up. And the minute it starts moving, Mary freaks out. She's barking like crazy at the floor. But she doesn't – it accomplishes nothing. It's like I appreciate her, her trying. Right. But, but now after like eight months of it, it's just we're just losing sleep for no reason. And if I bang on the floor, she freaks out more. So, yeah, it's not – the cat lives under the house. Apparently, in the in the groundhog, just like get along. There's like there's interesting. I don't. I mean, I, I hear I, I hear the groundhog under there, and I'll see the cat go under too, and they don't seem to. They, they don't got the little coexist stickers on their yeah on their bumpers, and it's like Portland, but like Portland, Oregon vibes. Yeah, they're just upset. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Keep under Aaron's house weird. Is Maybe what they, you should just find stuff. out what wood <laughs> woodchucks really like to chuck and just keep a good stock down there where they don't have to really work for it. Well, just my fear is that that's the, getting more into line with the way I'm thinking about it. Figure yeah. out what his favorite type of wood is, stock a bunch of it away from your house. And, and yeah, and carve Pearl Jam lyrics into it, and then we're really cooking with gas. Yeah. My fear is that all the, the lyrics answer- to Jeremy are written yeah. on, the, on the logs. My fear is that the answer to that question, Jeremiah, is going to be brand new deck boards because I have just got a ton of them. Dude, if he's chewing on those, he's going to be dead soon because that's all treated wood, I hope. Dude, all the <laughs> wood under the house would be. Otherwise, you wasted your. Uh... It is all treated. No. Wouldn't you imagine the boards underneath the house are treated? No. That's pre-treated. Well, they are, they are over it's 100 years ago. pre-treated stuff, yeah. I, I really do wish you guys would both just draw me a schematic of a, of a trap you want me to try, and I'll try. But like some kind of Rube Goldberg situation, both of you. I mean, might as well. What if he made the whole trap out of his house, and so the house collapses on? Okay, so the, now we're getting into an interesting <laughs> territory that, I'm, that I want to explore. <laughs> Have you seen the movie Home Alone? <laughs> you could do like a home alone but like under your house right home alone my groundhog yeah kevin McAllister level uh traps and stuff all right so i'm gonna put uh i'm gonna put hot wheels cars all underneath there and um how else do i apply i need to build a staircase you're, you're gonna, underneath you're my house go, you're gonna go to the kingpin and you're gonna be like oh kingpin your girlfriend woof <laughs> <laughs> oh man there we, you go <laughs> Do we do we have a top five this week? We do. This one's interesting. Waiting so, for it. Uh, yeah, Nate's been ready for it. Um, this one's interesting. I did tweak it as I told you guys. It's top five movies you haven't seen. His caveat or parenthetical was 
but pretend you have. I don't think I just assumed none of us did that. We don't none of us pretend we've seen movies we haven't seen, I don't think. But no. there are many movies I haven't seen that um I might not mention that I haven't seen or really mostly I just consider them movies that probably I should have seen by now, but I haven't. So that's that's that was my parent though. Like, yeah, I so, think this uh, is back to like the whole like guilty pleasures thing. Like, I don't really have guilty pleasures. If I like it, I like it. Um, right. Maybe that just comes with. I don't know. When but, I was younger, I definitely would have said I'd seen a movie that I hadn't seen, but I have. I mean, that's so to not I, look like a goofus or like to to make sure people know I'm elevated. Yeah. <laughs> <Keep> <laughs> but it elevated. I. But here's the thing: any movie I've said that about. And I wouldn't be able to recall all of them, but any movie that I can recall saying that about, I've seen now, so it doesn't matter. So then how did you create your list? Um, I made my list off of, well, I don't want to go first, but... Because your list isn't done yet. No, I, I did it. <laughs> well, then go first. Why do I got to go you know, first? I'll go first, but I'm okay. just going to let you know, I went like top 20, just so you I'm, know. That's so, very curious. I want to hear the top So I 20. broke mine into five categories. I have not seen these movies, so I don't know for sure if they if they I don't I did not name the categories, but I think they make sense in groupings. This is okay. pretty hypocritical of you. I mean, you have constantly been annoyed by anything less than exactly 5. You've been pretty stickler issue yeah. about it. Have I? I didn't know. Yeah, I feel like yes. Yeah, even an honorable, even you even have a problem with the idea of honorable mentions. I have it on tape. Um, wow. You know what? Here's the thing. Uh, I can only do one. I can do just one of each if you want. No, I mean, I, I want to hear now. I, I just think am surprised. This one be, because, um, because of the nature of this, it's not really a brag. Um, there's no, there's, none of these are honorable mentions. It's more just like really just emphasizing how uncultured I am. When it comes to this, so the first grouping. Yeah, we should say seen. this in general that you don't like going to the movies. I don't know. I mean, you don't like the movie theater experience at all. I don't. I'm indifferent to it. Um, the cost plays in big time, but um, my wife and I have seen maybe, probably not even one per year since we've been married. Like I, I haven't been to the theater more than ten times. I feel like years. it was maybe just a few years ago. It's just I know you not took what your, I want to do. I know you took your son to see The Lion King, and that was a that, big deal. Yeah. But before that, I feel like there was a long period where the last thing you had seen was Benjamin Button, and it was like it had been eight years or something. Was yeah, the last that movie you could remember about right. Seeing. I mean, Benjamin Button is one of the last five movies I've seen in the theater. Okay. Probably. But you do like movie. You do like films. You do watch movies pretty often. I, I yeah, I enjoy watching movies, but. I feel like I watch a lot of stuff. Like I feel like I watch too much content, but mm-hmm. then I'm like, there's so many things. Like I'm so far behind on everything. So I, I don't think I'm a heavy watcher, but I still feel like I watch more than I should. Okay. So, so what are the categories? I didn't name them, but I like I said, I they, they make sense to me from how I understand what they're about. I have not seen any of The Godfathers, Goodfellas, or Scarface. Okay, gangster movies, classic. Mob movies. Well-respected mob movies. Well, you should watch The Godfather. I have not seen Casablanca, Citizen Kane, or Gone with the Wind. Okay. 
that makes sense to me as well. I have not seen Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs. I don't know what I what I even recommend. I don't know that you would like those. Yeah, I'm not sure that Tarantino's like your thing. I I'm pretty sure I wouldn't like any of the ones I've mentioned so far. I wasn't picking that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if they, okay. I was picking but, the kind of things that people are like, you haven't seen that. Yeah, but and yeah, I feel but like these just, all okay, fall into that. But have you seen any Tarantino movies? I'm trying to think. Have you seen? I've like, seen bits and pieces because Kill Bill is that too, right? Have you seen Glory mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards? I've started that. I it just wasn't. Yeah, I don't think I would like them. Okay. I have not seen Airplane, Caddyshack, or anything by Wes Anderson. Uh, those okay. Wes the, Anderson doesn't fit in with those. <laughs> yeah, other. that's the least constructed. That I, that, that was ca- that was just comedy. Okay, Wes that Anderson's was the not loose, That was the loose structure there. Gotcha. Yeah, um, there's some. They're way different kinds of comedy, but Wait, none of the seen, other things I mentioned were comedy. So that you haven't seen Rushmore. I feel no. like we've talked about, and you haven't seen the Fantastic Mr. Fox. No. If Wes Anderson made it, I have not seen it. So you wait, wait, wait. wait. That sounds like you're saying you've gone out of your way not to see it. But he's made yeah. a lot of movies. You're you, you haven't no. I went, maybe seen I one of them. Googled today. I was like, I don't okay. think I've seen oh, okay. anything by this guy. I Googled his movies. I was like, yep, never seen any of those. I've seen pieces of them. I've been around when they've been on, um, but I've never watched the, the movie. Anyway, Jeremiah, was there another category? Yeah, last one. Uh, any of the Rockies, Rambo's, or any Star Wars except for the very first one in in how they've released. I don't okay. know where it fits in the order. Did those just get like movies that started in the seventies? Is that that genre to you? <laughs> that was more just like classic, cl- like classic. <laughs> Wait, do you think uh, Sylvester groupings. Stallone is in Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> do classic. You think- Classic do you, groupings. Do you think he's in the Wookiee costume? Because there were yeah. multiple Rambos, but Rambo wasn't really one, two, and three, was it? It was just like... It's like first blood, second blood, part two. Yeah, is that how it was? Yeah. I don't know. I never... Yeah. I no, they were maybe... just... Uh, well, not just trilogies, but whatever you call them when there's not a set number. I don't know. That's interesting. It's that, just a series, I guess. None of those... I, I, yeah. I guess my only surprises there would be, I am surprised that you haven't seen a Wes Anderson movie at some point. Mm-hmm. Because it's... Uh, you like he has a dry sense of humor, and you have liked many things. With like dry maybe sense like of Grand humor. Budapest Hotel would be something Grand you'd Budapest. really like. Budapest, yeah. I that, don't uh, think they're funny. Like when I've seen parts of them, it's just like, yeah, this isn't my. Yeah, but I'm saying, but you funny. do like dry humor. But yeah. his world is very, it's very like peculiarly fantastic. I can see that that would grind on you. Um. Anyway, I think that's my biggest surprise. I don't know, Nate, if you would agree. I I didn't expect. I'm not you guys surprised, surprised by any by any, any of them. Yeah. <laughs> um. I just know that yet, like a lot of those movies that you, with maybe the exception being Wes Anderson, and maybe Quentin Tarantino, but most of those movies are older. And you're right. You know, so yeah. Well, most movies that have ever come out are old. I I did pick I did pick older movies, Nate, for this because just because like if I said I hadn't seen, uh a really new movie it could be more like you just, I just haven't gotten to it yet it's recent it doesn't have that classic so i did go for classic like think staples you know st- so on and so forth but that was just my vibe uh like at this point to not s- any of these to have not seen it it's like well i've kind of made a decision to not see it right mm-hmm. it's not just i haven't found time yet yeah all right no doubt 
for my list, I have not seen Silence, which everyone keeps recommending. Jeremiah and and also my business partner keep saying is one of their favorite films. I have not seen it. I want to see it, but I have not. I don't I have, want you to see it, by the way. You don't want me to see it? Why I don't want to know you've seen it. Why is that? I don't want to hear your commentary on it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you don't want to hear my commentary on it? I don't, don't really want to hear anybody's commentary on it. Because why? Because it's just like super special to me. And Oh, you don't want to anyone to have a thought about... so. But what if my commentary is like, that was really powerful for me? The only commentary I want to hear is somebody saying, dude, silence. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's all I need right there. So you, but I mean, I, I, so I, I think it's a perfectly fine movie. Uh, right here but we go. Your, your, no, no, no. I was just going to say, <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say your, your attachment to it is the story. Hundred percent, and the I mean, it is a beautifully shot movie. Sure, yeah, um, and that's what I'm saying. I think it's a fine. It's a it's a good right. Like, the story, the story, everything about it is just beautiful to me. Yeah, beginning to end. Fair enough. Um, I actually didn't even notice uh, that it had no music in it. Somebody pointed that out to me later. That fits the title. That's yeah, clever. they. That's the kind of thing I would never pick up on. Which, by the way, is why like movies just. I just don't know movie language very well. I, like I'd never even picked up on that that connection, Aaron, until well, you just said that. But I, I yeah, found- it, was a, it was a mutual <laughs> friend of ours who was like, "I found it to be boring," and uh, there was no music. And I was like, "Dude, I, the last thing I want to hear right now is you talk about this movie is boring because it didn't have music." Like I'm just so over whatever you have to say on this movie. Yeah, uh, you get well, a little so. taste of your own medicine, I think. There, with <laughs> yeah, a, no, for a little bit of it. No, my no. point is that I would like to see it, and that I just haven't, yeah. um, for no no real reason. It is long, so you have to kind of like yeah, I'm down. Commit to the length. I I will say the trailer I found very moving, so I wasn't. There's nothing about it where it was pushing me off. I also have not seen Schindler's List. I've never seen it, which gotcha. um, feels like something a responsible person should have seen. <clears throat> I don't um, think I have. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Uh, I will say I'm also don't often get in the mood to go, I want to watch, I don't watch much stuff and I don't often get in the mood to watch something that I know doesn't, like if it's something just heavy, it can be heavy, but if it's, if it's imaginative, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, but if it's just heavy and historical, then I don't feel a pull to that very often. Right. That's why we like, we watched it in school and, and then after that, I wasn't like seeking out. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if I watched it, I, whenever I watch movies like that, I don't have a bad experience and regret it. I'm just saying on the front end, I don't sit down often and go, I haven't watched a movie in two weeks and I want to watch something that I know is historical and hard to watch. Like that just doesn't pull right. me in. Um, I have not seen Citizen Kane either, but I know everything about it. So it feels like it'd be kind of, it'd be a letdown because I know what Rosebud is. Um. <laughs> Uh, I also have not seen most, other than one film that I hated, I haven't seen most of Stanley Kubrick's films, which includes 2001 A Space Odyssey, which feels like I definitely should have seen that. Wait, you said one film you hated? I, I've seen one of his films that I know of. I'd have to look through. I, I saw Clockwork Orange, and I hated it. Oh, gotcha. uh, because it was so, I felt like it was violent and verbose beyond having a point to say. I felt like he was reveling in how dark it was which i know that's my opinion but um, sure is i found it to be very disturbing and 
Yeah, just did it. Didn't sounds like an effective film. <laughs> Potentially, <laughs> effectively got put uh, took the source material and got it across. I guess to so. You. I guess, I just well, I, and I also know that um, Stephen King hates the adaption of The Shining because he said they took all the soul and heart out of it, and uh, he just not he just not made true. it. A, he said he just made it a dark art house film that has no that has no hope in it, and that's not what the book's about. So I, but I, that's how I feel about. The little bit of Stanley Kubrick I've seen is that his stuff's just like angry and pointless. That's a coked up Stephen King quote. That I don't know. He stood by that even recently. Um, No, Shining is so good. Well, I haven't seen it, and I'm not that interested in seeing it. I haven't seen 2001, but I am interested in seeing that. Although I know it's long and slow. Are you? Yeah. Are you allergic to boring stuff? Because I I, I just. I mean, that's not something I want to do. Like, yeah, sell me on something boring. Um, I love like. So good. I've seen it probably. Four I know, or five and I know times. Tanner does. It's super impactful for him. But it's like someone who's not buckled in for what. That's why I would tell someone like, "This is going to be boring." Like you're, like you have to, you have to be able to observe. Past. There's plenty of long, slow, long things that I like. I think if I were to list my top ten films, none of them are blockbusters. But in any case, the last thing I have not seen. Is God's Not Dead or any movie like that or The War Room? I'm I couldn't be less interested. I appreciate if you personally enjoyed them, but I've seen the trailers and they look so bad to me that I can't imagine. I'm not. I'm just talking about the actual art itself, like not um, the people and yeah. their, their intent. But I used to get asked all the time when I was a pastor, and I would just tell them I haven't seen it. And I, and and her friend, I have no interest in seeing it. Like I don't like the trailers to me feel so forced. Um, so yeah, shocker. But I'm I, with you. I have not seen any anything like that. Yeah, I just it's there's so much straw manning and manipulation in the trailers alone for those films that I just can't. I literally can't. Nate, what do you got? Okay, my list is stupid, but here we go. <laughs> All right, so I've seen a, a lot of movies. You've seen more seen than the two of us combined, probably. Very easily. And I've seen a lot of American movies, so there's a lot of stuff on my list. I actually don't think anything. None of it's American. That's my biggest gap, and that's what I'm trying to fix. I've been working on it. So I have not seen any Akira Kurosawa movies. So Hidden Fortress or Yojimbo. These are like What's quintessential. The, one, the ninja movie, the really famous one that everybody's obsessed Seven with? Samurai. Right. Yeah. Right? I haven't seen any of these movies. That's it's apparently very embarrassing. Apparently, like all Western movies as well. Like, so are, Yojimbo, right? This is very famously, and Hidden Fortress has the same thing going on. Yojimbo is was directly the inspiration for the first movie in the Dollars trilogy, which is, uh, which is. Uh, Fistful of Dollars, right? That's the first one. And it's basically a shot-for-shot remake. It gets pretty much one-to-one, like Sergio Leone reshot Yojimbo as Mm. this Italian Western movie. So it's really fascinating. And then, like, Hidden Fortress is, like, a massive inspiration on Star Wars. Like, a lot of the characters are direct archetype copies of the characters from Hidden Fortress. So Mm. that's really cool. I haven't seen any of those movies. Uh, I want to see them. I want to see them all. I've got a couple. I've seen the Seventh Samurai, by the way. What? Yeah, Seventh Samurai. 
not seventh, right? Oh, uh, is it is it seven samurai? I saw it in high school. I took uh, Japanese in high school, and uh, I could be misremembering for sure. Um, no, but, but we, that would totally make it. sense. It's like one of the most important right. Japanese. I don't movies. remember a lot of it, um, and and I think I remember that he would pause occasionally to talk about like culture and what we were seeing but um, there you go you've yeah. you have ascended into like elite <laughs> film i didn't realize snobbery. that it was that significant though that's interesting. yeah like, i mean in the same way that that we we're talk, talking about stuff like citizen kane and you know but i didn't well, get yeah. to watch it straight through i should i should do that at some point what's interesting is all of star wars and so many other influential 70s movies all the directors have admitted they were just trying to figure out how to remake that film in a different setting so the next thing would be uh, French New Wave. I basically haven't seen any, so you could pick whatever your favorite quintessential. The 400 Blows by Truffaut or Breathless by Goddard. Pick them, whatever. I haven't seen any of them. So not a true uh, snob without that. Other Japanese movies I haven't seen are anything by Yosohiro Ozu. So that'd be like Good Morning or Tokyo Story. Or any of his other movies, they're supposed to be like these amazing movies. I haven't seen them, so I know that's very exciting <laughs> for everyone to listen to. I'm like uh, trying to find anything to relate on in that, and I, I have know that's nothing. why I was like, I don't, I don't have, any, I don't feel like I have anything cool to say about now, this. See, this doesn't work. See, now that you're, Nate's right, now that this is a topic he cares about, it's really boring. That's like why I have to be the bad guy <laughs> yeah, for these. It's much better when you hate on the topic because when you care, you're when so I care, boring. It's Nate. like I'm not. So, so you're, I'll keep you're, going. I'll All just right. tell you, Nate, you're not an interesting person when you care. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wired to care. Uh, All right, so I continue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Eight and a half by Fellini. This is like this is like the movie that you would say would would. Uh, talk about if you want to be a snob right like if like okay so like think about a movie i'm sure you guys maybe have not seen but like a movie like ghost world that like parodies uh you know like they, they parody like modern art they parody like the, the the movie store scene or whatever and the guy goes in and it's like a blockbuster and he goes do you guys have eight and a half and whatever and they're like uh what you know it's the yeah. whole thing it's just very like cultural like this is yeah, this feels you know. like a movie version of High Fidelity. Sure. But there you go. I haven't seen that movie. Okay. Um, and yeah, then one more? The, this is the number one one that, I, that I've almost watched a couple times, but it's like four hours long, so I haven't been able to commit to it. But uh, A Brighter Summer Day by Edward Yang. I want to watch this movie so bad, and it's been – like I have it on my TV. It's ready to watch, and it's so long, <laughs> and I just haven't been able to commit to it. But this is like one of the movies that – so many people I respect are just like, this is the best movie. Go watch this. This is the best one. You know, this is going to be great. So Edward Yang also has uh, like Yee Yee, which is another like really everybody raves about. But A Brighter Summer Day, I really want to watch it. It's been on my watch list for like a long time. I'm going to watch it soon. And I'm not going to tell you about it. So there you go. <laughs> my boring list of boring foreign movies that i want to watch <laughs> have I've, you seen all the movies on both of our lists no i don't think so i've seen all the gangster movies you talked about have you seen, seen have you seen god's not dead no no that's why that one's so funny <laughs> like, 
I would I wouldn't ever watch anything like that, you know. I'm uh, I'm I'm all for people of faith making powerful films when that's what they do. Uh but and I and we've seen those, but that's not that's not one of them. Um well shoot, that's what silence is. I mean not not uh necessarily people of faith making a film but a film about faith you know well, what I mean? cl- cl- interestingly enough it actually is it actually was made by people of faith who yeah that i don't know i know the book is by someone of faith the best i can tell shistaku endo um but i don't know like i don't know martin scorsese or whatever i don't maybe I... yeah i don't know where i don't know where he stands on that he well, certainly understands you know what I mean? Like, you watch it and you're like, okay, you. Yeah, I mean, you that's, get- that would be his job as a filmmaker yeah. is to understand like the. Yeah. He doesn't have to believe it. He could be totally against everything the movie's about, right? But that's well, he not. Sees the, there's some you know, story worth telling, I guess. For well, sure, yeah. Speaking or or he sees a money grab, one of the two. But I don't yeah. think that's a money grab. I don't movie. think that movie <laughs> made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, if you want to make money, you make God's Not Dead three. God's still not. Dead. <laughs> Do those movies make money? I, I think, think so. on the budget. I mean, you're only your big you're, when your big expense is a two thousand two thousand fourteen Kevin Sorbo. I think you're doing. A, I don't think you're spending think, that much money. I think it's literally yeah. like saying, "Is there money in like being a massive worship band?" Of course. Sure. Yeah. True. Same audience. Well, I was going to say, speaking of a story worth telling, I think we should call Steve Kleesath because I think he has a pretty cool story. You know, I think you would. I would like to have heard his top five movies he hasn't seen. Uh, I think he'd have some interesting ones, just because yeah. like he seems cultured and interesting. Well, he, and we we know he had enough interesting to say without that topic. So that's right, <laughs> Steve, who people may know was in the amazing hardcore band Strongarm, and then for this seems forever, amazing band that I know that we loved a lot and love still love a lot, and as well as a new band called the Darling Fire, but. He is probably in another world even more famous for something else. Right. So let's not spoil it. Yeah. So let's get into it. <laughs> let's not spoil it because it's in the title, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're we're in Virginia. We're me and Jeremiah from Virginia. I was born in Fredericksburg and grew up just south of DC in Alexandria. Uh, I'm from Fredericksburg. I grew up there. Are you serious? Wow. Awesome, yeah. man. When did, when did you move from Fredericksburg to Florida? Uh, well, I was only I, I was born in Fredericksburg, but I sure. primarily lived in uh, like the Falls Church area mm-hmm. of uh, yeah, yeah, Al- Northern Virginia. Virginia. Like pretty early on, I think I may have been in Fredericksburg for like just a couple years, and then I lived in uh, that Alexandria area until about until I was like twelve. Yeah, and then I moved. Then I was still with my family. Moved to uh, mm-hmm. moved to Tampa, Florida, at that point, and then uh, bounced around a couple different places. But I, I've lived here for a, a good amount of time now in South Florida. Well, I'm glad at 12 you didn't decide to go out on your own and you stuck with your family for a little longer. I think that was yeah, probably a good that's call. a good move, man. <laughs> Seriously, a little bit, not too much longer, but a little. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's wild that you're from. I mean, you, me, and George Washington. That's pretty much what happened in Fredericksburg. Crazy. That's the, yeah, no idea. Another uh, fellow Frederick, uh, Fredericksburgian. I don't know. Uh, you know what's his name? Danny McBride, the actor. Do you know who he is, Steve? Uh-huh. Yep. Um, like he, he's from Spotsylvania. Okay. Um, 
like just outside of Fred. He went to like Spotsy High, and people see him walking around downtown Fredericksburg all the time. And then nice. I guess uh, Sandra Bullock's mom taught at Mary Washington College for a while. These are all our celebrities. I'm listing is, all of them. That's is, it. Uh, this is Dude, high Sandy quality Bullock's content. Sandy Bullock's mom. Right <laughs> Sandy Bullock's mom. You guys. It was in. <laughs> I know you guys know all about that. That's oh our other podcast. I don't think I've seen Sandra Bullock in anything recently. I think the last thing I remember her in was the uh, was the movie about the uh, with the football player. Yeah, oh, I gotta pull up my Sandy side? Bullock tracker. This here is, but Aaron, Aaron's <laughs> teetering on Pawnee, Indiana <laughs> trivia right now. I know, I know. But here's the thing: if if Steve doesn't know anything else about what's going on with Sandy Bullock right now, my first five questions were shot. Like, yeah, all, that was my first gotta, five questions I'm were sure, all I'm sure, I'm sure she's in a prevalent TV series that I'm not familiar with, a Netflix show or something. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Man, what was the I name of the movie that. though? With the uh, Blind Side, the Blind Side. Blind Side. Thank you. Yeah, that was a good movie. It's pretty good yeah. flick. So gotcha. So now uh, you know what I forgot to ask you guys: Is this live right now, or is this like to be to be shown later? It's not live. No, it's recorded. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll probably go live next month. But also, feel free to like let your hottest takes fly. And if it's just too hot, we can edit it out. You know, like if it gets too, like if you want to let us know your real thoughts on Sandy Bullock, like we can, we can cut them out if you don't feel comfortable later. We already know tell. that it's Sandra a hot Bullock. take to say Blindside was pretty good. Blindside <laughs> was pretty good. The hottest uh, take. Any- now I'm going to date myself a little bit, but I loved her in uh, Demolition Man. Awesome film. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's a, yeah, that's a but, wild uh, ride. That film is a wild Bobby ride, Bates man. And uh, Bruce Willis, I believe. Yeah. Is she in that, uh, that, Drug recovery movie is that who I'm thinking of? What's that movie called? Twenty One Days. I'm not sure. Am I uh, dating no. myself? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I can go way far back. I remember her in a in a in a rom com, as they call it, uh, while you were sleeping. She was good in that. Oh, yeah. oh she was great in that one. That's Any a movie. great. That's a good film, straight up. Yeah. Like, so we're doing rom coms with Steve Kleisseth. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> Dude, yeah, we're really there's very few, down. but that's one of them actually. Yeah, my brother's gonna be like, "You got to hang out with Steve Kleiseth, like one of my favorite drummers, and you talked about Sandy Bullock for 45 minutes." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I'm never know where it goes, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sandra Bullock, yeah. Fredericksburg, Virginia. Dude. Yeah, this this is what the people. This is the content the people want. Um. <laughs> so so yeah. Well, we can keep talking about that, or... That sounds or, like you're going to pivot I, away, which I feel is a bad call. I'm going to yeah. do a hard Sandra Bullock pivot, because the hottest okay. take we can make that about her is, is she in anything right now? I'm pretty sure that's the hottest take. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's she been doing? No, I'm curious. Has, uh, has music been thrown off at all for you with the COVID stuff? Yeah, man. This year, completely shot between both my bands. I'm currently, well one that I've been with for a long time. And then my newer, newer group I'm with, we had like the darling fire. We had a, a little kind of mini tour at the end of March. That was going to be uh, Florida, South oh, Carolina, no. Southeast. And uh, all those dates got blown up. And that um, further seems forever. We were going to, we had a, a Japan, a little mini Japan run at the end of May. That's gone. Oh, or at no. least it's uh, postponed. And obviously, Furnace Fest, where both my bands are going to play in wow. a September, and that they just came out like about a week ago, and they're a 
I mean, they have a date. It's going to basically be like the second, third week of May of next year. It's being uh, wow. gifted okay. to them. Oh, I didn't hear that announcement yet. Yeah, that's crazy. I totally forgot about Furnace Fest with all the yep. like hecticness of the, this year. But it was like at the beginning of there was so much buzz. It was like these bands are playing. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. It'll be like an anniversary we were... of sorts. So. Yeah. Who, who was going to do that one for you guys? Which, which singer were you going to have for those dates? Because I know you guys have done a lot of creative things with that. Uh, with further, it was going to be Jason, the uh, How to Start okay. a Fire. Um, yeah, that would have been so sick. Chris, I mean, we it'll be the 20-year anniversary of The Moon is Down with Chris next year. Um, so we had been talking about, you know, trying to do some stuff, uh, kind of working around Chris's schedule with Dashboard now that he's pretty full on with Dashboard again. And now, of course, he unfortunately, very sucky, got into a uh, motorcycle accident. Oh, and, uh, no. Yeah, he's doing good, but uh, he had to have, uh, I think both of his shoulders were broken. So he had to have a sur- two, two different surgeries, and he's looking at like a three to six month recovery. So Dang. I just posted about it actually on the uh, the further socials just to, you know, wish him well, of course. And yeah, yeah, you know, suck, suck to hear it. But, are you, uh, are you yeah. kind of the, 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 are you what makes further keep happening? Because it sounds like you run the social or. Yeah, the Instagram and the Facebook. Uh, me and Chad, the bassist okay. Chad Neptune, he uh, he chimes in as well. Gotcha. But um, yeah, the Instagram the section really holding it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah right? <laughs> the Instagram page has only been up. I, I think it, it was created really when we did the uh, the How to Start a Fire anniversary shows in 2016. So it's only like three four years old. The Instagram page, but um. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, we're all we're like second family, though. We talk all the time. We have like a group text thread where right everybody will post something funny or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, just make sure everybody's doing okay. So that's how it's supposed to be. And I mean, we've been a band now for 15 years, and for us, it's like when you guys uh, came back into Penny Black, which, by the way, is a phenomenal record. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, like, and you know, when you're one of your favorite bands gets back together, you're always like a little bit worried. Like, uh, you know, but it, it was so good. And I remember hearing in the interviews before, like this record just kind of grew back out of the friendship. We all, and that's one of the reasons we keep making music is because we just genuinely like each other, want to hear each other's perspectives and make art together. So when I heard that before I even heard a single, I was like, well, I'm, cause I, I was totally on board. And then to hear how good it was, it was like, oh man. So just feel free to keep doing whatever you want to do, Steve. Just, you know, whatever you want to make music. Just not <laughs> like go for if you want to make another album, uh, you know. Uh, with just, Jason, you know, do that. just do it, you know. <laughs> so, do is the, the follow up to How to Start a Fire is the Darling Fire similar at all? Like, just you guys are just friends or something? Like, hey, let's make some music. Yeah, or? we we go way far back. Uh, uh, the bassist in the band is one of my oldest friends. I've known him like most of my life. Uh, very talented bassist. His name is Greg Moore, and then Jolie Lindholm, the singer, and Geronimo, her husband. Uh, we all go way back in the South Florida music scene of like the mid nineties. So mm-hmm. they were in uh, Jolie and Geronimo were in the rocking horse winner. Mm-hmm. You may remember okay. from like the early two thousands. And then uh, uh, yeah. Geronimo was also an original member of as friends rust. He was in a uh, poison the well for a period of time. Oh, so, wow. um, and then, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's the core four of that group. And we put out a record last year in, a, I think it was like the anniversary of it. It was like June 14th last year. We actually played Arlene's Grocery in New York. It was like kind of the record oh, wow. release show for uh, Dark Celebration is the name of the record. And uh, we, we kind of did like a one-off licensing deal with Spartan Records. Um, friends with John Frazier, who runs that label. 
And now we're, we're pretty free and clear. We've been writing uh, new material. We have just about a whole new album worth of material written. And uh, we've been demoing some stuff. I've uh, been using, starting to use Reaper uh, drum wise. So it's been uh, interesting. To, uh, just oh, to yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm really excited about the new uh, Darling Fire material. It's, cool. it's, it's definitely some of the, some of the best music I've been a part I of. I dig it. It's like such a great nineties vibe, man. It just, that's a good chill nineties feel. It, it, which, it, it, was there it, a lot of like, I get nostalgic for it, even though I didn't hear it back then. Yeah. I, I, I kind of missed, uh, didn't quite fully engage like dream pop and shoegaze as well as I have the last five years and kind of went back, even though I was, I'm of an age that I should have paid attention to it. I just wasn't like, there's a lot of that in your sound, which I like love. Were there a lot of conversations or was it just like, were you guys like, Oh, we kind of all would like to shoot for this target or you just got in the room as friends. And that's kind of what came out. It's actually kind of heavier and darker than that. But I mean, there is elements for sure of shoegazy type stuff. The newer oh, material sure. is actually uh, I, I mean, quite yeah. a bit heavier, but um, um, oh cool. But yeah, no, and it's just what came out of them really. Jolene Geronimo contacted me, and they said, uh, you know, we hadn't talked in a while at that point, but we've always kind of loosely stayed in contact over the years. And they t- and they hadn't played music in years either. They had just been kind of doing their own thing. But uh, they uh, they said, hey, would you know, would you be interested in, or can we send you some demos of some music we wrote and you know, we'd love for you to, to play with us if you're interested. And they sent it to me and I loved it. I was just like, yeah, I'd love to collaborate with you guys. And and then uh, Craig eventually came along uh, later. And then, uh, yeah, so we've been around about really only two years, maybe. Um, but like again, we've all known each other for years and years. So you'd like to what you were saying earlier, that's always the advantage of longevity is actually enjoying who you're playing with. So I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big bonus. You know, you, you have some, some bands, unfortunately that, you know, they put out great music, but there's a lot of gridlock. People don't get along from time to time. And I've been fortunate enough to be a part of a, a couple of groups where it's been kind of second family. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a cool kind of a that's awesome. bonus to the, the music being created. Yeah. And no one's success, even if it's really big, last too long where they can all afford their own tour bus so if they hate each other eventually <laughs> like you know like they've got to get along enough to get back in one and so it's not I, to me it's like that's one of the things i tell young guys a lot is like the one of the most important things is who you make the art you make with like those relationships not only like what you want to want it to be about and what, what you're you know that the passion will last but also just you spend most of your time just being together and not making music you spend a lot more time together not making music. So if you don't appreciate each other's perspectives, um, we call it the van vibe. If they don't have a good van, we, we, we always, when we have fill-ins, like we'd much rather like number one is like, can they be a professional and do the job? Number two is like van vibe, like b- before so many other considerations. Cause you're like, man, this guy's going to be like five feet away for a month. <laughs> yeah. When you're on tour, I mean, the performance part of it's what an hour and you got yeah. like 23 hours where you're just hanging out <laughs> or just being in close quarters. So yeah, it's definitely, yeah. It definitely could be a challenge. Well, uh, as hard as it is to not talk music for ever, it'd be cool to chat with you about your other thing. You might even be more famous for that. I just don't know that world. Well, it's funny. Um, since we got in contact to do this, I actually did set an achievement just last week in Donkey Kong. Uh, I actually, is this breaking uh, news? Well, breaking yeah. news, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> what is the achievement, Steve? Well, no, I actually, it was streamed live on Twitch, so people okay. watched oh. as I did it. I Can you explain streamed, what it was? 
I, I actually stream and I yeah. also record to my hard drive at the same time. So there's kind of a live stream and then there's a recording of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of, um, kind of in the classic arcade community. Uh, there's like a, a lot of people that are collectors with some of the classic 80s games. And they actually have the stand-up cabinets, much like I do for Donkey Kong at the moment. And uh, I've been trying to get what's called a kill screen in Donkey Kong, which you know very few people historically have done. But it's basically you get to the end of the game, the game runs out of memory, and it ends. It just kills you off because you pretty much beat it. And so in Donkey Kong, there's 22 levels. And um, well, so now we know that there is. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. it, it's been done years ago but i mean it's a game that was retro and now it's kind of with the documentaries that came out in the mid 2000s to kind of regain this kind of popularity again to a certain extent especially with classic gamers and so i achieved this thing called a kill screen on donkey kong scored just north of a nine hundred thousand points and so that uh that was a that was something i had been shooting for for a while and i actually did that last week live on my my twitch channel wow how long yeah, was does that? that? Does that put you? Uh, I don't know how common the kill screen thing is, but does that put you like on the board, so to speak, like the Twin Galaxy? Yeah, yeah. There's board? a scoreboard. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm like 25th on the Twin Galaxy gotcha. scoreboard. I, I'm game. imagining that due to the the documentary, like Donkey Kong is probably one of the most popular, like uh, oh, the King of Kong, like of, yeah, the of the like cabinet style scores am i wrong about that no donkey kong is a very popular classic title pac-man of course i mean some of the some of the ones you would come to expect you know uh centipede uh super mm-hmm. well now i'm the world record holder in mario brothers so yeah. original mario brothers i hope we saw that one yeah wow um, uh, confession i did not watch the whole thing but you didn't watch saw, five hours of it but i saw i, the hope, end I hope of not it. <laughs> Please I don't. thought I found the end of it though. It was it it, it was that was so I, I enjoyed I have, it. I enjoyed it. I have so many I don't questions. I never have these. to do it again. It was, it was definitely uh, <laughs> the the record I beat had stood for like years. So wow. Um, and you like what? way crushed it, huh? Um, You're like a million over, aren't you? Yeah, I think it was like eight hundred something thousand over. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, no, no one, you a million person that's ever scored over five million points. So yeah. Um, you just rubbed their nose in, Steve. Foolish enough to play it for six hours and survive, but, but <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Actually, the guy, that, the guy that I beat is a great gamer. He's a great NES gamer too. His name is Tom Vadova, and we're friends. And uh, it was quite quite an accomplishment to beat one of his records because he's he's a pretty savant gamer in a lot of different titles. So, so does the uh, did you play that on like a cabinet then? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, gotcha. he had the original, in his house. original hardware cabinet. Uh, well, yeah, I guess that's what I meant. Like, cause, uh, cause we, um, like, I work at a recording studio, and like, we had a cabinet, but we ran like main inside the cabinet. Yeah, it's like a multi K, um, probably sixteen one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, and that's what just what we had for like at the studio. Um, mm-hmm. No, this is yeah, the so. our, this was arcade platform. That's awesome. So the actual game board, the actual monitor, the actual cabinet that it's encased in. Like wow. So does that games, game so. have a unknown kill screen, or is that kind of like yeah. recycle? Mario Brothers is one of the few games you you basically can play until you die, until you're killed off. Uh, there's no end of it that anybody knows of. And Interesting. Hitting over five million, and there's still no end to it. So it's probably a does good it just keep varying? Does it have like math? Does the math man actually just keep varying what you're getting? Like every 
level? Like, does it just keep sh- throwing different combinations at you? Well, there's 98 phases in Mario Brothers, and once it gets to 98, the game continues, but it stops counting phases. And that's usually around 1 million points, uh, phase 98. And then from there on out, the difficulty is the same, but the phases just stop counting on the screen. So uh, Mario Brothers is a, the original Mario Brothers, very difficult game, actually, even though it's the birth of what everyone's come to know in Super Mario Brothers, with the turtles, the coins, the pipes, the crabs. Um, it's, it's not patterned. And I mean, there are routines kind of things you do, but typically there's always a random element that makes you adjust what you're doing virtually on every phase. So like, for instance, right. you have a game like Pac-Man, which is completely patternized. Mm-hmm. You know, once you get the key patterns down, it's just the stamina and memory of doing the same thing mm-hmm. over and over again for like three hours. Wow. With Mario Brothers, it's like you're on your heels, like gotcha. <laughs> at every twist and turn potentially. So there's so. not like a as much of a defined like meta to to doing like Mario. It's like more just like I'm gonna focus for this many hours and like not lose focus. There, there's methods and there's mm-hmm. techniques for sure. Yeah, but um, the game will throw you random elements that force you to kind of adjust and just the more experience, the more that you play, it's like the better that you know if you're really into it, the better. And you have the initial skill to kind of know what you're doing. You'll, uh, you know, you'll be able to uh, eventually uh, kind of be two steps ahead of a game, so to speak. Kind of feel, I, I feel seen, what it's going to do before it does it. I was wa- when I was watching the video of you, Steve. I like almost forgot about that Mario game because it's like you said, it's the birth of the aesthetic, but it's not like the game you're used to. It's not like you're coming up here and you're traveling right for a long time. It's a lot yeah. more like an arcade mm-hmm. game that I remember as a kid. You know, for me, it's skating rinks and pizza huts. Sure. Yeah, it's on one platform. Now, interestingly enough, the platforms of the game were taken from Joust, another great classic arcade game. Oh, okay. So it's actually patterned after Joust. So it's kind of a combination of Mario from Donkey Kong and the platforms of Joust and then, you know, the different critters, of course. But, uh, but yeah, no, critters. it's a That's the technical game. term? Yeah. Crit- yeah, critters. critters is the- I, I have so many questions, but before we get too far into it, Steve... We have something we do for all the guests uh, because we recognize that you're super uh, well-known and as you should be for your uh, musical ability. We're all fans. But as we like shift into talking about this other incredible gift you have, we re- we've each written a haiku for you um, <laughs> a, 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 about, about you and Mario, your record. Uh, and it, maybe it'll give you a little bit of an idea of like how knowledgeable we are on this topic. <laughs> um, but we, we also, it's a way for us to honor you, but we also put the weight on you. You have to rate them out of 10, and, and we're all trying to win. So I think you can probably I have to rate them? That. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Nate, do you want to go first? Sure, I can go first. I got to psych myself up a little bit, though. Okay, so the Haiku Musical play here. This is a serious <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. Here we go. This is me. I'm playing Mario Bros. Okay. PB is so close, but Slip Ice got me again. I'll just play some Joust. (laughs) (laughs) That's super inside because I have no clue what you just said. Slippy Ice. Slippy Ice, I understood. PB, can you break it down? Wait, wait, let Steve break it down. I want Steve to break it down. Well, he's talking about I'm close to my personal best, which is PB. But a slip ice, which is the ice that moves on the screen, got me. 
and it ended my <sighs> game. And so as a result, you know what? I'm just going to go play Joust. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be critical. I think Joust is more fun. I'm just not going to lie. Joust is a great two-player game. Yeah. I actually love playing a two-player. That's one that Goldman and I would play at the studio a lot, like on the main system. Nice. Oh. It's a great game. Yeah. I thought PB was power block. Isn't power block a thing? Isn't that the block pow, you hit pow in the block. Pow block. Pow block. Oh, looking like an idiot. All right. Oh, did you mean well? Did you mean it as a pow block? No, is I that... meant per, I meant personal best. Oh, okay, okay. Because that is interesting. I didn't think about that. You could use it as a well. Pow the pow block. block doesn't move though. It's always in the middle, right? But you right. could be so well, close also, to there's it. There's also a variation called no pow, where you knock it out before you start, and that makes the game even harder as you can't stand on it. Yeah, I saw yeah. that you yeah. and your and your other Steve dude were rocking yeah. some like yep. crazy difficult stuff. Yeah, yeah, times <laughs> things to do when you're in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things to do. Write another Darling Fire record if you need some suggestions. We'll be fine with another further you if you want to crank out. If you want to crank out another strong arm, that's fine by me too. Like you know, just whatever you want to do. That's definitely not. Um, <laughs> hey, a kid can wish, you know. Jeremiah, what do you got? All right, so uh, yeah, I was doing what it uh, what it was like to to break the record. Well, I just did that. Five and a half hours well spent. Time to eat something. Okay, that- solid. <laughs> that's, that's a solid uh, reality based. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was based pretty much around what your reaction was like which was like if you're like me like that was probably ecstatic uh but ecstatic comes across as like wow i just did that i've got to get off this i think you said something like i gotta just gotta get off this chair for a for a minute because you've just been sitting there for five and a half hours uh my shoulder blades were burning maybe not eating at all i don't know you know um i had a like a a coffee drink on top of the cabinet and I would just I saw that. Between the bonus phase, I would take a quick sip and but you couldn't do but the thing is you can't go to the bathrooms. I only get four men. So it's it's one of those things where I just had to take like just a not too much to where, you know, oh yeah. You may have the, the urge coming on. <laughs> I just assumed assumed you'd made some kind of homemade catheter kit. I wasn't gonna ask about <laughs> it. But I figured I was thinking, there was an oil funnel involved. You could like get one of those long licorice ropes and kind of like hook up an apparatus so they dangle down from the ceiling and then you can <laughs> go over and chomp the licorice ropes while you're jamming. Like, <laughs> All right, here's mine. Uh, jump man to glory. An eight-bit throne built upon endless dead plumbers. R.I.P. That could be a hip hop lyric. <laughs> oh. Well, I've dabbled a little if you want to lay some drums down, Steve. We can make it happen. So Steve, sounds like you could clear- be you could be in one more band. I don't think you're in enough. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you got some free time. Steve, is it clear at this point who knows something about what you do and who doesn't? <laughs> well, Nate definitely had the terms down. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. But they're all solid. I yeah. That's Good all job. really that's all we were really trying to do is Nate hit that win- solid Nate wins mark. again. I Nate does know the most about video games. So yeah. so how many hours do you think you played? Obviously, five and a half to make the record. Do you have any idea what the commitment was just to that one game to get to that point? Like how many hours you've logged in the game? Um, it was one of those things I, I, I bought the cabinet 
because it was a I'd seen like an ad for it and uh, someone was selling it at just a really cheap price. I think the person who was who I got it from, they were just trying to get rid of it kind of thing. They were moving or something. And then I kind of re-sparked because I played it when I was younger and I knew I was like really good at it when I was younger. And then when I looked up the record, I was like, oh, I think I could do that with, you know, some practice. And then I uh, wound up playing and probably took me I'm trying to think a year maybe of just periodically playing. I mean, obviously in between working and doing other things, but uh, definitely a lot of dedication, a lot of practice. Um, again, that, that record in this, that particular record, that's how long it, it was going to take. Because you basically average, like, if you survive long enough. The other thing with the Mario Brothers is you only get four men. You don't keep getting men like in other games. Like Hubert, right. for instance, you can marathon it. Hubert, just after so many points, it just regenerates more men. So that okay. they call those, like, marathon records when you have games that mm. continuously give men. But with Mario Brothers, like, you know, four shots and that's it. But, um, mm. but yeah, it was five hours and 45 minutes, I think. And, yeah, I hope to never have to do it again. I, as, as a matter of fact, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> anybody who beats that record they got it yeah how many attempts did you live stream before that uh I, I had been streaming it for probably a good four to six months oh, okay. uh, periodically and i would gotten very close too a couple times oh. um or i went all that way but just fell short kind of thing and very frustrating and then uh you know obviously finally broke through i remember even the day i did it it was, it was january 2015 i was just like I knew I didn't have any work that day. I knew I had the whole day. Like I just happened to have nothing going on. I was like, all right, I'm getting coffee. I'm making sure that I stay, I feel alert enough and let's go for it. And then uh, fortunately it, it came together. So do you feel like the, um, like, like, okay, so you're doing a run, right? And is there like a point where you, where you know, like it's time, like you, you do you reset a lot? Like, are you like setting up like, you know, oh, I've got a run going and then, you know, something's gone wrong. Or is it kind of like the game sort of feels like more nebulous? Because there's a lot of games where you'd set up to do like a high score or like a speed run or something. And you'll you know when a reset point hits like, oh, I didn't hit this thing or this metric or this whatever. Is it like that with that? Because I'm just not as familiar with Mario Bros. It's similar. I know what you're talking about. With speed running, that's completely true. Yeah. You miss just one second, you got to go back to the beginning. I have a friend, Andrew G. He, he uh, speed runs Super Mario Brothers all the time on Twitch. Yeah. And if he has any mess up at all, he has to just immediately start over. Uh, with this game, it's more, I know um, there's a certain amount of points I need to get before I lose two of the four men that dictate whether I will start over or not. Gotcha. Same with Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong, that's big too. With Donkey Kong, really the initial goal is to get to level five without losing any men. And then you kind of play the game out as far okay. as you can make it. Yeah. Mario Brothers is kind of the same thing. Like going for the world record was 4.6 million. It's ridiculous. But I mean, so basically I need to get to at least a million without losing a man. Typically, I would start over if I didn't reach at least that uh, point mm -hmm. of the game. Yeah, but it's not, so when you, not too, not too. It is similar to speed running. Just it's more based on what your score is at a certain point, as opposed to missing uh, a time frame. Do you find that so, it's like? Oh, sorry, Aaron, you can go. No, go ahead, Nate. Well, I was gonna say, 
like uh, um of I don't I don't know anybody that like is on a super high level, but I have some friends that speed run games and a few who play like classic games. But I know that part of the like the mindset is like you kind of want to like you kind of want to just let your focus like happen and you don't want to be like too you don't want to be like thinking about the score too much. You don't want to like necessarily be thinking like this is the run, this is the thing, you know. Like, because I, I think most of the time, if you just let yourself, even like, sh- I feel like this is the way it is when you play or performing like music. You like, I just kind of want it to happen organically. I don't really want to like, I don't want my focus to go on like, what is this next note I'm playing on the guitar or whatever. I just want it to be automatic. Is that sort of how it felt like when you're doing like a world record type run? You're just trying to like have an automatic thing happen. And you're not like checking the score. You're not like, you know, thinking about it too much. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's called like just being in the zone, being in rhythm, just taking it aboard at a time. I always say it's it's kind of like poker, which is another thing I've I've, I've done a, a lot of my life. But uh, you can't play tired. You can't play hungry. Uh, tired or hungry, and it's it's you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to have the patience usually or the focus to kind of stay alert uh, with the, when, when on things like this. So yeah, definitely. I, it, it's like a rhythm or a zone you get into where you, you know, sometimes you know it's going to be hard to start because these games are so volatile, especially Donkey Kong and Mario Brothers with the random elements. That I mean, even doesn't matter how good you are or how experienced you are, you can get out on the first board still. Mm-hmm. I mean, just something random that can happen and just wipes you out. Yeah. So you got to get to a certain point where you know you're in rhythm and you're kind of like, okay, now I'm kind of in a flow. And then, yeah, not think about the end result. Just kind of take it a board at a time. What do I need to do the next board, you know, to the best of my ability to give me the best chance to continue on? So. Yeah. So when you when you beat it, I mean, you smashed it, right? And that was the first time you'd ever beaten that record. And then you beat it by, you said, like almost a million points beyond the previous record. Like, Yeah, well, did you uh, once I got past the score, the, the record score, then I just kind of autopilot. I just was you know, obviously no pressure at that point. And, mm-hmm. you know, I still had some energy and I just kind of kept going. I actually thought did I was going to make it to 6 million, but yeah. Um, did you start to like it. laugh to yourself? Like, this is absurd. Like I'm, I finally beat it and now I'm just like crushing it. Like I would have think you would have started to like, just, it would have like made me laugh. I think. Well, the Twitch viewers that were watching were a help too, because kind of word got out that this happened. And then the energy Steve's of doing it, you know, guys, just, Steve's doing it. <laughs> Even though it's just a chat room, the energy of comments and people, you know, it's kind of kind of helps you out when you people are acknowledging what you're actually start to know what you're doing. It's kind of cool. So it was fun. But yeah, no, yeah, you get you get to a point where, yeah, you're just like once you've gotten to a certain point, you're in rhythm and you're kind of in a zone and you're seeing things before they happen. In in the case of Mario Brothers, then, yeah, you can definitely get in kind of a pocket of a, you know, untouchable for a little while, it seems. And I'm just thinking of that famous when Michael Jordan made that crazy shot and then he like shrugged like, like, you know, what are you going to do? I'm just killing it right now. I can't stop. Like unstoppable. Did, I remember at what point? Portland Trailblazers. Oh, I was, I was rooting for Portland pretty, pretty big that year. Um, yeah. do, do you, uh, did you s- still enjoy the game? Like what, what's your relationship to that game at this point? Obviously. Oh, I love it. Uh, really? Mr. Miyamoto, the man who created it, who created Mario, yeah, who yeah. created Donkey Kong. He's a freaking genius. He's an absolute genius. 
just the, the way that the game is designed, just, you know, even though it's simplistic, it's absolutely just genius. And yeah, I still love the game. I love watching. My whole thing is being an ambassador for other people to play it, like especially two player. Two player is even more fun than singles, in my opinion. Um, having a partner and kind of working together to to finish the phases is uh, is is really cool. And then of course some people there's kill each other Mario type Mario Brothers where you kind of look to kill each other. But me and my doubles partner, obviously we play together as a team, kind of in sync to to pass the uh, the phases and the cycles. So it's a uh, it's quite interesting when you do things, you kind of figure stuff out because, you know, doubles can be harder because it's two characters to account for on the small platform. So there's not enough space to kind of like one, one player always has to be up top. One player always has to be on the bottom kind of a, as a safety net. If something gets by me as far as Mario brothers goes. So it's a, uh, yeah, no, I still love the game. It's fun. I don't have a cabinet currently. I, I did have a cabinet, but I, I sold it a while back at the time. It just, you know, had to do it. But um, I'll definitely look to probably acquire another one at some point. Hey, guys, this is just a quick interruption to invite you to check out the Epicenter. The Epicenter is our Patreon-based online community. If you're enjoying this podcast, you should check it out because there's a ton more content just like this. There are three different tiers with tons of other perks, like exclusive music, video content, and merch, with more being added each month. And it's all built around a Discord server, where we hang out and keep each other encouraged and inspired. Additionally, there are bonus episodes of Between the Notes each month available only to Patreon members. Right now, the patrons have access to a whole series of episodes we are doing on our 2010 album, Yet. It's a track-by-track breakdown, and the most recent one is on our song, Poor. In it, Jeremiah and I discussed the writing and recording of the song, but the bulk of it was us discussing if the lyrics still hold up for us today. If you want to hear that conversation and get a ton more awesome content just like it, maybe take a minute to go check out The Epicenter over at patreon.com slash The Epicenter. All right, now back to Steve. I feel like the dumb question that I'm not going to ask is like, oh, do you like new video games too? Which I don't think those two things are exclusive to each other, but my, my question would be like, are you able to just enjoy still playing video games or is that something you equate now with like kind of like really working at a craft? Like when I play a video game, I want to be like working on a personal best or, or are you able just to still play other video games like just for fun and still enjoy them in that way? The newer games would be just playing for fun. The classic games is more of a competitive kind of vibe. Although if I was smart, I would learn League of Legends and actually, you know, try to make money with it. Because <laughs> that's where the money's at. Some of these new, speaking of team, these teams, you know, that you always see like with League of Legends or some of those style of games where you have a whole team of people that are kind of playing together is uh, quite remarkable. No, no, I like new games. Uh, the the newest Mortal Kombat is absolutely amazing. Um, as a matter of fact, um, my uh, a person that was doing PR for the Darling Fire, her name is Becky Kovac, awesome gal, uh, for Big Picture Media up in New York. She had just sent me an email that Spin is looking for some artists to test out a new game on PlayStation Five. So I may be a part of that. I'm, uh, I'm waiting yeah, to kind of nice. waiting to hear the information about it. But uh, I don't currently have the new uh, a new PlayStation though, so. <laughs> we'll have to see what happens with that. But yeah, I do like new games. I like watching. I was watching this Twitch streamer play this one of these side roller games called uh, uh, Willow of Wisp or uh, 
Willow of Whisper. The OC. Will, of the, Will oh. of the Wisp? Or, or Will, Will oh of the Wisp. It's one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. Yeah. It's such that a beautiful awesome. game. Yeah. I think it's Ori. Ori yeah, and the Ori, Willow. Ori yeah. and the Will of the Wisps. It's a beautiful looking game. I haven't played oh that one yet. Oh my gosh. It was amazing to watch. Uh, I was watching that on Twitch uh, the other day. A, a, a streamer uh, play that. So yeah. it was pretty cool. Those I imagine that you've come away like because you seem pretty thoughtful and like you're not just like, oh, this is a fun way to waste my time, you know, playing video games. Like, have you have you brought any like significant philosophy or life lessons out of this? Like, because when you talk about games, it's you're talking like there there are things you're describing about how beautiful it is that I know I'm not even understanding. And you, like, I know anything I dive deep in on, I'm like, oh, there's way more to this art than there's craft. Than, there's always craft. Yeah. And so, like, do you, like, it's going to, it almost sounds funny, but like, are there, are there life lessons that you've kind of brought out of diving this deep into something like Super Mario? On classic games, actually, yes, as odd as it sounds, uh, some of the most simplistic classic games. I have such a high level of difficulty to get further into the game, even though on the face of it, it's simplistic with the characters that it's incredible as far as the determination it brings out of you to mm. achieve something or to get to the next level of understanding something. So yeah, I do equate it. It's funny. You mentioned that with other areas of life of just challenge of it, to know the, the, the mental kind of focus and determination that you have to put in to get further along into the game. Because some games, it's like, like with newer stuff, like for instance, you can play World of Warcraft, there is no end. I mean, you could just, you could just be in that bubble for days and months, weeks, you know, and there's really no end to it. I kind of like games that have an end, that have kind of a goal mm-hmm. um, and not just are kind of just ever-ending kind of thing. Uh that's probably the wrong word, but I mean that just yeah. continue on. So are you uh, yeah, competitive? No. Are you pretty competitive? Yeah, I'm pretty competitive. Yeah, <laughs> I played bas- I played basketball in high school. I love basketball, so I still play uh, pickup games. I love playing against people and and team ball as well. Mm-hmm. Um, poker, I'm extremely competitive. Not to friends though, only playing <laughs> strangers. I can't I can't do that. Like like semi professionally or something or. I used to, yeah. For yep. a few years, that's all I did. Oh, Actually, wow. I uh, I had won an online tournament, or not won. I fin- made a final table of an online tournament on a on a very old poker site called Pacific Poker, and that at the time was kind of life changing because I had just gotten back from a from a European tour that really wasn't managed very well, and it's everything cost more than it was supposed to, and the mm. the uh, geography was as far as the routing was terrible, and so kind of came back with no money. Matter of fact, like the hired people made more than the band kind of thing. And, uh, you know, at the time I was kind of in between jobs. And uh, so the money that I did, you know, I had enough of a bankroll to uh, to kind of delve into at that point, Internet poker. Um, And uh, I remember buying into a tournament like a thousand people, 100 places paid. First place was 100 grand. And I actually made it to fifth place, which is like 10 grand. And so when I did that, I was like, okay, this is actually possible. And that was another passion of mine, poker, to uh, delve into. I mean, the only thing with poker is 
the hard life lesson there is you can do everything right and it still doesn't matter if you're unlucky. <laughs> That's the part I hate with poker. So you go through periods of time where you're like, am I really good at this? Because how am I losing this way? It's like, it's, it's mm. like some idiot that doesn't, that has no idea that, you know, they're just like degenerate and they just make a move that nobody who actually understands the game would ever make at the time that they make it. And then they get lucky and they catch the, the miracle card they need mm-hmm. when we're talking about holding mm-hmm. And it's, it's so, that's the thing where it's like poker. It's like for, to really do poker professionally, unless you have a lot of money as a safety net, you really got to dedicate only to that and not do anything else. And I, I love, there's too many things I love to do. So it's like, I, it's more of a, just here and there, you know, maybe I'll play a tournament now or, you know, maybe a cash game here and there, but I know I have the capability if I really wanted to just dedicate to that, but I just don't quite have the heart to just only be a slave if you will to poker until you get to a certain level where maybe you can be financially independent but. Mm-hmm. with the with the donkey kong game you just got the kill screen and made that record like how long have you been working on that one i've had the donkey kong machine about a year and a half uh but i've gone like periods of time where i went maybe months without playing it at all and then kind of come back to it but again with the pandemic scenario uh, I've, had, I've had i have a small business a car service i'm self-employed so i work for myself and none of my clients have been traveling because all their companies are not allowing them to travel right now so as a result unfortunately in some ways i've had a lot of time on my hands to kind of some of these goals that i always kind of had in mind to do if i had if i had the time to do it now i have so uh so yeah so that, did, that was just did, done last week were those breaks that those long breaks where you didn't play it? Were those because you got sick of it? Like, are you got frustrated with it, or just like life happened? Yeah, I just didn't have time. Okay. What, Although Donkey Kong is a very frustrating game. <laughs> what makes it so frustrating? So there's there's basically four boards that re, that keep cycling each level. You have the barrels, you have the rivets, you have the springs, and you have the pie factory. Two of those four boards, there are scenarios that can happen where the game can just kill you off no matter what you do. Like, it just gets you in a situation you can't get out of. And you don't know when that's going to happen in the game. So the key is to not not have any unforced errors, if you will, where you just kind of mentally mess up and try to have at least a couple men left to get to the end of the game. Kind of oddly like poker in a way, like a bad beat, for instance. Like, there's certain... Mm. The rivet boards and the pie factories in Donkey Kong, there are um, occasional scenarios where the fireballs just surround you and it doesn't matter what your skill level is, you're just going to get a man out because they just decide to, to take a man from you. It's fascinating. So, it is a lot like life. I mean, this is like what you're describing is like every time you describe a game, I'm like, yeah, like you can get really good at it. And you're, the the games you say are kind of boring. Are Coronavirus. The ones where you have complete control. You know, like the ones where you have complete control, you're like, yeah, it's kind of boring. It's better It's better when there's some randomness and I don't, I just like, can't. Like you can build a really great small business and be doing great, but then coronavirus happens. I mean, that's exactly oh, what absolutely. you just said. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I, was, I had this business for four years. It's, uh, you know, just providing transportation to uh, airports and hotels and uh business travelers, seasonal people, tourists, special events. 
And uh, yeah, it's been, I've been dead since March. So it's been, it's been bad. I, you know, the unemployment thing was pretty bad in the state of Florida too. It's finally catching up and getting people what they need to get. And, you know, I've applied for some small business loans. I'm waiting to hear back about like the EIDL SBA, if you're a small business owner. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's, I mean, who knew, you know, a global pandemic, it's, I was rolling along singing a song with this business, you know, I've been <laughs> doing pretty steady for the last four years with it. And then all of a sudden just a yeah, curveball thrown and mm-hmm. hopefully uh, things will get back to normal safely sooner than later, but uh, we'll see what happens. Do you, do you have your eyes on a next like game that you want to set a record for on? Um, I'm, I actually want to get, I actually want to break a million points on Donkey Kong. So, uh, that, I'm still trying to do that. And then, uh, after that, like I said, I have all the Mario brothers records. Uh, I still play remotely through a program called MAME hub that you can download, uh, with my doubles partner who lives in South Carolina. And we still kind of play for fun. We make up different variations to make it harder. And then, um, joust two player, speaking of joust is, uh, me and my doubles partner for Mario Brothers, we have been talking about kind of starting to play joust, maybe, and uh, getting the getting in, getting in the groove of maybe uh, breaking a doubles record for joust at some point. Uh, also, I'm number three in the world in Turbo Miss Pac-Man. So, Miss Pac-Man is another <laughs> game that uh, that uh, that was actually my original game that uh, I was kind of known for. I had uh, I'm one of the few people that have uh, crossed the 900,000 point barrier in a uh, Miss Pac-Man. So. Um, so I used to have a cabinet, a Miss Pac-Man cabinet too, but so hopefully I'll, uh, I'll acquire that, uh, acquire that again too. Cause I like to collect the uh, cabinets. Do you have any messages you want to deliver to the number one and number two Miss Pac-Man players in the world? <laughs> like you would put, put them on notice? <laughs> well, the guy right, uh, right ahead of me, we're good friends. His name is David Race and he's, he's phenomenal. He's actually, Debbie, savant. David. <laughs> he's savant at every Pac-Man game. I only play. Turbo Miss Pac-Man. He plays like Factory Speed, Super Pac-Man, regular Pac-Man, Pac-Man Junior. Like he's crazy. He's crazy good at all. Do you see any uniting factors in like in, in the the classic uh, game scene, like the record break? Do you do you see like something that unites you guys when you hang out and become? Fr- it sounds like a very friendly community. Yeah, there's a lot of camaraderie. There's a there's a site called DonkeyKongForum.com. And a lot of us are members of that site. And then, of course, through Twitch, we always kind of watch each other's streams and we'll, we'll make comments in the chat room and just kind of conduct a regular conversation like, hey, how's it going? What are you up to? And we just do it through Twitch and through, the, through some of these forums since we're all spread out around the country. But yeah, no, it is a tight-knit community. There's an event called the Kong Off that happens once a year. And uh, it's been held in different places. And gatherings like that, a lot of us will travel to them. We'll, we'll see each other during events like that. There's actually an event in Orlando, Florida that I usually attend every year. It's called Free Play Florida. It's a classic arcade and pinball expo. And uh, they usually have me there as a guest. And I'll, you know, we'll try to set new records. I have a trading card, actually. So I'll sign trading cards. For, <laughs> oh, for dude. Yeah, if you have one nearby. <laughs> I'll send you guys one. That'd be amazing. Whoa. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> that's that's, that's much great. cooler than anything I've got. And then on the back, there's a bio. Yeah. Oh. So is that, are they as, Love it. are they 
as aware of your success in the music world? Like, do they, does either side know as much that you have, like, accomplished so much in two worlds? That's a really good question because it's very, I, I, I mention this to my close friends all the time. It's amazing how gaming community friends know nothing about my music <laughs> and my music friends know nothing about my gaming. It is a weird lack of dichotomy, maybe. That's, that <laughs> that's, is that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. That, now, there's exceptions to the rule, mm-hmm. but large in part, never the twain shall meet. Yeah. <laughs> say. So what but, you're saying is there's no audience for this podcast. Ah, okay. There <laughs> <laughs> there will be now. Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. We're bringing the two together. Um, speaking of crossover, like, is there a lot of crossover in your mind between like playing these games, writing music, <clears throat> performing music? Like, how do they relate to each other in your brain? Because you excel at both so much. There's a creativity factor with both of them. That's what I love. With music, it's just what comes out what comes out of us naturally. It's not really forced, but it tends to be unorthodox at times, but in a natural sense, not in a trying to be something factor. And then with the gaming, it's technique. Developing techniques that when other people watch, they can use it themselves to to practice and be better at the game as well. So there's a creativity factor with both mediums for sure, which I love. So are you still developing technique at a game like Super Mario? Yeah, actually, yes. Really? Uh, when we were when we did that uh, that doubles record or that double score that got some, I know Kotaku, Nintendo Life, they did articles on it. Um, in the course of playing that game, we kind of stumbled onto some what what we know now are techniques. Like, oh yeah, this is what this is what we should do when this situation happens again. Like that kind of thing. It's kind of cool to discover that. Is there anything named the Kleseth technique? Like, do you have anything named after you? (laughs) No, no. There's certain certain moves that I'm one of the only people that does them, but it's not, it's not like coins. I was going to ask because I can't, I wouldn't know on the video game end because I'm, I I like to play video games, but that's relatively new, new thing in my life. But, um, but as a musician, uh, I'm not a drummer. I'm a singer and a guitarist, but my brothers are drummer forever. And you're a drummer with a very unique voice. And even like, you know, as I've followed your career, like I got really into strong arm when I was in high school because it was so heavy and different than all the other heavy music I was hearing. And then when you just, it just, to me, this, the change in or further was so seamless. Um, and as a guitarist, I was always trying to figure out like how it sounded like there was 12 guitars, but it was two guys and it never sounded like a riff and a, and a rhythm like it always sounded so cool but the drums always stuck out as being so like such a voice like it sounded like you're saying even on the in the game world you have a unique voice too like people can rec- gamers would know if they saw a, a, just a replay of your gaming oh that's steve because i feel like i could hear your drums and know that well especially with further seems forever uh josh colbert is just such a phenomenal guitarist and his style of writing guitar wise there's so much movement and transition and it kind of caters to what I do, drum wise. So I kind of gotta give him some uh, uh, clout there because uh, he he has such a unique style of writing. And we obviously we go back to strong arm, me and Josh, and mm-hmm. of course he's the guitarist for further, one of the guitarists. Sure. But yeah, there's a lot of movement and uh, and uh, a lot of open territory when further's writing a song uh, that you know it could go anywhere. You know, just just kind of keeps building and then and yeah so i I guess there's kind of a 
when you listen to something or you watch a certain technique, it could be a staple, I guess you could say, where like, yeah, sure. that's kind of the direction that he likes to go, you know. Well, I'm I know a lot. Of- I'm envisioning that you have like, you you get your hand on the joystick and you do like over the top like Sylvester Stallone. You know what I mean? Like you go like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's that's what's in my head. Now, I actually struggle with the Donkey Kong controls. I hate my control panel with the joystick and button. Sometimes it it has this weird locking motion where I'm trying to maneuver it to do something, but it's just not doing what I'm maneuvering it to do. I hate it. Actually, Mario Brothers is a little more seamless because you don't really go up; you go left to right. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, no special. I'm probably more of a uh, klutzy, clumsy when it comes to uh, <laughs> me on the controls with the video game. Are are you are do you have a, a specific affinity for Nintendo? Because you've talked about a lot of Nintendo games, and you talk about Mr. Miyamoto. Like, is that a real big part of your childhood nostalgia and continuing to this day? It is. Like, I remember uh, when I was a kid seeing Mario Brothers and like pizza places and grocery stores. And I just loved playing Nintendo games Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong Jr. Um, yeah, there's just, there's just a lot of great Nintendo games. I like Williams too, though. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of a classic game called Moon, ba- Moon Patrol. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal game. Yeah, that game's uh, Some of the Williams pinball and. And video games. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think Williams, in at least in my head, is like known for pinball. Like when when that name comes up, I think of like some of the like very classic pinball, you know, tables. Definitely. Um, are you a big in, into pin, pinball as well? Then is that like another interest? I love playing pinball. Uh, I'm not. I'm good. I'm not great, but it is fun. As a matter of fact. Um, the last great newer pinball I played was uh, my friend had uh, the Iron Maiden pinball. Yeah, which machine. is an awesome table. Oh, my God. It's remarkable. Uh, the artwork is amazing. and You can get a custom-made version where you have the uh, – there's like a sar- – uh, I forgot the term now. It's like a special kind of mechanism. Uh, I can't think of the – can't – Never mind. Can't think of the word now. <laughs> so there's a custom version of the Iron Maiden. The, the other thing that's awesome about Iron Maiden is you, uh, the pinball is you can kind of, with the flippers, kind of go through the different songs you want to hear while you're playing. So that's pretty cool. Mm, oh. yeah. Using the flippers. That's, yeah, awesome. that's, a whole, that's a whole world. I mean, when I lived in um, uh, Minneapolis, which I grew up in Minneapolis, lived there for a long time, but they had we had like Up Down there, which I don't know if you – no, that's just like a barcade, you know, sure. yep. chain. Sounds uh, like. But all, all my friends worked, uh, like, right before I moved, all, all my other musician friends in town started bartending at an up-down. So that became, like, the place to hang out because I'd get free drinks, go to, go to up-down, get uh, free tokens and Zimas, and you crack open a Zima and you go play Tapper. You hang out. Nice. Tapper's a nice game. Uh, Quicks. That's another one of the ones I really Dig like. Dig Dug. Yeah. I love yeah. Dig Dug. Dig Dug's a great game. There's also a good G.I. Joe game, and I can't remember what the name of it is. might just be called G.I. Joe. I don't remember. Man, it's mm. good. It's like a newer game, but. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, there's a Barcades are got really popular. Mm-hmm. You have the original, which is actually called Barcade, where you have like one, a bunch in New York City. Philadelphia, Jersey City, 
then there's a place in Denver called the One Up, and it's kind of like what you're talking. It's another kind of arcade type deal. There's actually a really cool one in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, too. I can't remember the name of it now. That's a really we good. Used to live, kind of we used to live there. I'm trying to think of. There is a place called the Arcade, but it's not an arcade, so that's not the one. But uh, when you know, when you're on tour, has this been a thing for you for a long time? Like when you were touring, would you tell the guys like, "Hey, when we get to Denver tomorrow, I'm just someone's got to do sound check for me. I'll just be here in time to play. I'm going to be at this Absolutely. bar going at it." Absolutely. We we <laughs> the thing with further in the in our heavy touring days was uh, well. Later on, barcade-type places I'd like to visit. And theme parks. We love theme parks. So oh, yeah, man. Usually like to try to hit an amusement park if, we, if we're if we in the area and they're time time permitting. So I'm actually a Disney annual pass holder, so I love love going to uh, Orlando to the different uh, theme parks. So then are you planning your trip yet to Japan to go to Nintendo Land? <laughs> Not, well, that may have been an option if – that Japan tour would have happened, but uh, we're, we're going to see. It's postponed. Uh, we definitely still want to do it, and I think the people that wanted to bring us over still want us to come over, but we got to see when it's safe with pandemic and everything. So. For sure. It just seems like it's nailing you. Like It's a it's a theme park about Nintendo. I can't imagine anything that you would enjoy more <laughs> than maybe playing a show afterwards. Sure. Just <laughs> I hope they do kind of what uh, – so um, this is kind of a cool feature. Uh, when we were on tour a couple times, uh, whenever there's a um, uh, a Guinness uh, museum, uh, there's one in San Antonio, Texas, for instance, and uh, anybody that's an actual world record holder, when they go, you know, you just kind of tell them what you hold a record in, what edition you're in, and they let you in for free, and then they have people kind of do photo ops with you. And that was kind of fun. That's cool. There's a couple yeah. Guinness museums. Do you uh, have one, main one in San Antonio? Do you have two Guinness plaques like in your house? I, I have the Guinness world, the the actual uh, Guinness Book of World Records that I'm in. I'm in 2016, 2017. Nice. Okay. All from all Mario Brothers. So. But then will I, they add, have to add you in for Donkey Kong now? No. Well, it's not a world record. It's just a personal best. Uh, the oh, world okay. record is like way. I mean. The guy who who holds the world record is just incredible. It's a, it'd be very hard to attain that. It would take years, probably. For he's just like one of those things where he has a niche for just knowing every single nook and cranny of that of what's possible mm. point pressing wise in that game. So, so with so many like Super Mario, like with so many Mario Brothers records, like what's the chances of if you, if you are in Japan in a couple of years, if you getting to meet Mr. Miyamoto, like, is there, you think you can pull some strings? I mean, I would love to, um, the best way to get a hold of them is to, uh, from what I was told with, by Jace from twin galaxies is just kind of have us have somebody run a story that he'll kind of, that'll be in his newsfeed on the internet that he'll just be made, made aware of. Cause he doesn't really have any socials that's known. I think he has a Twitter actually, but, um, you know, I think his English is limited, but uh, he was recently on uh, Jimmy Fallon. He actually sat in with the Roots and played. He plays really? guitar and played the Super Mario theme with them. And that was pretty <laughs> awesome. You, you can YouTube I it. I mean, he's killing it as much as ever. I mean, the Switch is so popular right now. Yep. Uh, he's got so many. Uh, do you have a Switch? Do you play Switch games? No, I don't have a Switch. I'd like to get one. I know Mario Brothers is actually on the Switch among many others, but uh, I don't have one currently. 
I was going to ask if you'd played Mario Maker because it seems like you could just spend hours and hours as someone. I mean, obviously, it's slightly different with like levels and like the left to right progression. Doesn't sound like it's as much of what you're like specializing in. Those are crazy to watch, especially the uh, the Zaiku they call it. The kind of the, the hacks. It's Kaizo. Kaizu, Kaizu, yeah, Kaizu, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one guy in particular I'm friends with. Uh, Glitch Cat is his name on Twitch. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is sick with that. I mean, I, 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 just, love, I just love watching him. Because yeah, he keeps la- creating and keeps bouncing off things. I'm like, my God, the timing has to be so precise. Last year when Mario Maker came out, I was um, I was just too busy. Like, I mean, I'm a music producer, so I was just mixing a lot of stuff. And But in my free time, I would stream, you know, like a bunch of Kaizo, different, you know, streamers and people sure. who are like at the super high level. And yeah, I'm just, man, I just love it. And I, I feel like that's, that's one of those lot. games that I can really appreciate watching a stream. It And honestly, that, that game was the first um uh, the first Mario Maker was the first game that made me understand like streaming culture because I you know I mean I've been playing video games like since the Game Boy came out basically and um I just didn't understand the idea of like watching someone else play video games <laughs> I mean and that just like very much fits my person I don't I don't understand sports because I, you're not doing it. I don't get it. So that it's just like in my nature to question that. Like I don't. I don't Nate, get what's that. your opinion on porn? Uh, on porn, porn? <laughs> it's the same argument. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> I don't want to watch that. Yeah, uh, but you, you know what I mean. Like, so I didn't understand when the I streaming. Don't. I've never, never been a big fan of porn. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Good. Well, we we all agree that it's not a it's Good. not a healthy thing to be a fan of. But the uh, the um. The, the streaming culture exploded, right? Like with, you know, people streaming games and streamers becoming super popular. And I just like didn't understand what the point was. Um, and then watching people play, uh, you know, even even playing like ROM hacks of like Super Mario Brothers 3, stuff like that. And yeah. you just understand like, Oh, I can't do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or or if I can, I don't want to do I don't want to spend the time. I don't want to spend, you know, a hundred hours playing one level because that's Absolutely. what it takes to do Absolutely. To, to work Sometimes. on that level. And so it, it helped me to like contextualize like what like how modern video games can actually fit into like, yeah, you can watch people play games as entertainment. It, And it's and, you know, you could be watching someone who's at such a high level, which is I mean, that's sports, right? Like you're watching people. You could never do the basketballs like the basketball guys. Right. You can't do it. So you watch them. You can enjoy a game. But you can enjoy a game of pickup. And I think that's the analogy. Right. Like so watching others is like, oh, it helps. It helps to be tall, too. I mean, I'm I'm about (laughs) six feet. But in the NBA, that would be, you know. You're short. Shrimp height, you know, <laughs> five foot four. Yeah. I'll tell you an area about Twitch. It's funny you mentioned how it kind of exploded. Twitch was a big reason because people have their own channels. Mm-hmm. So, like my, which by the way, twitch.tv slash maximum Steve. That's my Twitch channel. Nice. And nice. You, you can you can stream anything really, but an area that I had knew nothing about until recently, and apparently this is like really big. Are, are any of you familiar with ASMR? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Automated sensory modulated response, something like that. There's all these streamers that do like the the whispering and the like the slight noises and yeah, and it's like <laughs> where did this come? Like I never knew about this until like maybe months ago. Welcome to the future, dude. <laughs> Some of them are better than others. Like yeah. there's this one streamer. She has all these backgrounds, and it's like it is very serene, actually, very peaceful. And then other ones are just like it's just completely annoying. So I'm guessing you grew up playing video games. Like that was, like, did you have a did you have the systems in your home, or did you grow up playing the arcades? Like in the arcade a lot. Like what was your relationship as a kid? I'm guessing it's something you just didn't stumble on in your adulthood. Yeah, from a very young age, I was playing. You know, now I'm dating myself here, but you know the old Atari systems, and then Sega Genesis, and then obviously the first Nintendo with the Duck Hunt, the Super Mario Brothers with the little gun that came with it. And then, oh, yeah, man. And then at the same time, maybe between school and home, going to an arcade or going to a store. Because, you know, back back a long time ago, you could find at least a couple of classic, or, well, at that point it wasn't classic, I guess, a couple arcade cabinets like in your grocery store or a pizza place or they were everywhere. So, uh, uh, yeah, so both home system and arcade. I was kind of. And then a, you didn't you didn't lapse for a long time and come back to it. You kind of always played games. That's always been a part of your life. I did lapse actually. Um, graduating when I graduated high school, and then um, even at that point, I was in uh, two bands plus working full time, and I I did get away from gaming for a while, and then kind of came back. Ironically, I kind of came back to it with the uh strong arm guys and then further because uh when further toward we kind of had a, a console in the van that we kind of rigged up and uh you know we would play some console games i know me and chad would always play madden all the different madden nfl games and then uh oh, i remember yeah. sonic on sega you know just trying to finish in between tour like tour destinations we're trying to finish the game before we get to the venue <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that and then th- those guys actually introduced me to a couple different documentaries. One is The King of Kong, which I know a lot of people in that film. And then another one is called High Score, which I would definitely encourage all of you to check out. It's a, it's a friend of mine. His name is William Carlton. It's based on it's based on a missile command, but uh, it's called High Score is the name of it. And it was a great documentary. Very, very well done film right on. with a very yeah, funny that's ending. Awesome. Is that world still pretty male heavy or are there any females in the running for some of these top scores? There's definitely females that play. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happens in the games that we're mainly talking about that it is all dudes. <laughs> well, I know. Well, like, well, actually, you know what? No, there is, there is one girl, uh, Laura Neville. I forgot her last name now, but uh, she has a Donkey Kong kill screen actually. So, uh, yeah, there is a few, but um, mm-hmm. large in part, yeah, it is guy-dominated as far as the competitive playing of the games. Well, I know I learned in the past like some of that reasoning behind why video games were so male-heavy for a long time. I don't remember what it was, but there was some sort of marketing or whatever, but now it's like <laughs> really swinging back and becoming pretty, you know, more balanced at least. Yeah. That's another so, thing that's similar to poker. I mean, poker is so male dominated at the tables. I mean, you know, there is more women women players now than there used to be, but it's still the percentile is like way 
the scale is way tipped, you know, one way on that too. Hmm. For whatever so reason. I know you said, said that you like love to spread the love of these games and encourage them. So I'm wondering like what you would recommend to me in the audience, like what, what should we get? What should we check out? Like you love to spread the passion. Like what are the top two or three games and maybe how do we get access to them in, in a reasonable way? Well, there's one game you guys as a band playing against each other is always fun. And I'm sure you've probably already played it before, but Super Smash Brothers is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I have the one for 64. Is that the one you're talking about? There, there's a couple couple different ones. Yeah. I bought it we, with my um for, for the new one for the Switch, and my nephews were on vacation. And yeah, that's fun. they're just... Yeah, but they're so much better than me, Steve, at video games. <laughs> and, like, I just get housed. Like, I am. We want the great I'm equalizer. So What's the great equalizer? <laughs> I mean, as far as classic arcade titles, um, sure. There's a couple titles I can throw out that I just love personally playing. Moon, Moon Patrol is a Williams game. Definitely check that one out. Elevator Action is a great classic arcade game that uh, that uh, it's not too hard to figure out to a certain level and to have fun with it without having to put too many hours of quote-unquote dedication into it. Moon Patrol, Elevator Action. Um, trying to think other classic. Well, obviously the ones that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Definitely try to play, although they are difficult on the face of it until you get the hang of it. Um, yeah, I mean, those are some off the top of my head, I guess, as far as classic titles go. did you guys, Were you guys Street Fighter fans? or yeah, Mortal man. Kombat. More, oh, mm. the, I, the, the first couple Mortal Kombats, I was that guy that wanted to learn every single fatality, <laughs> every single glitch secret. I was, a, I was a Mortal Kombat geek. I'll tell you what, there's Get another game here. I was super geeky about. The first PlayStation, Resident Evil. The first one I absolutely loved. Wow. I had to I never, do every, I had to complete everything you could possibly complete in the game. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask, are you usually a completionist or is that just if you really love a game? The few that I've played where you have different, oh, like uh, Grand Theft Auto is another one. Yeah, I typically like to, when time permitting, the, find as many of the secrets as possible just to you know be able to do them. That's awesome. Now, if you really want to go back to yesteryear, Atari 2600-wise, Pitfall, amazing game. I loved Pitfall, Pitfall. When, I was, when I was very young. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm sure there's a newer version of it, probably, or a PC version or something. Donkey Kong Country is, is kind of fun, too. Um, and then there was one other one I was actually going to... At the moment, I, I had it now. It slipped my mind now. So that's interesting, though. You have you like lots of different styles of game because obviously Resident Evil is very different Definitely. than Mario yeah. Bros. Resident Evil is more like the fun games, right? Just I want to complete it. I want to discover what was a secret or a create what what was all created with it. Uh, it's it's less competitive and more just when I have the time, just have fun with it and discover it kind of game. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto too is another one of those where you just play it forever and keep finding stuff. Just try to ramp the cars. That's all I did. How, how high <laughs> and far can I ramp this car? <laughs> I was always like, how many stars can like, I get? You could basically do anything. It was just yeah. like walking around pot lock. Okay, let me pick this up. Let me do this. Yeah. I mean, usually in a very violent way. But, you know, it was, That's uh, how it was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was for me, too. Just like, I was not. Oh, it's another one. Just like ramp high and do as many flips as you can or whatever. Like, 
I, I love the first Tony Hawk. Yeah, me yeah. and Chad, we, we played that quite a bit. In the Did you see that park. there's a, a remake coming out of the first two Tony Hawks? No. I heard about on it. What system? About it yeah. Oh, whatever the whatever you want. PS5 uh, probably. Oh, is that how it works now? Like when games come out, they're just like available? Not on necessarily. Like platform, there are still like platform exclusive games, but like back in the day, Tony Hawk wasn't platform exclusive. It was available on Nintendo and PlayStation. And maybe PC. Oh, I didn't I know it was remember. available on t- Nintendo. Okay. That, mm-hmm. What system would that There wasn't been? blood in the Nintendo one, though. If you fell down, just nothing spurted out of your uh, head. Just <laughs> dust. Like you know. GameCube? Or what system was it? No, N64 had the first two oh, that's Tony right. Hawk okay, yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, they actually had ports. Why would you play that when you can play 1080, bro? <laughs> 1080 is... If, if you go back to that game... <laughs> No, you hate it. We can't talk about 1080. We have to stop. Nate, tell, Nate, tell us how you feel about 1080, the N64 yeah, give us, <laughs> Just give us both barrels. The, the, yeah. the secret? The secret about yeah. 1080? Yeah, when, when did that get brought up? That, that if I ever need to be serious... I don't know, serious, but you lost it for like an hour in the van ranting oh, about yeah, 1080. I if I that, ever yeah. need to be super serious and not laugh and not smile and just be you know stone cold sober... I have to think about 1080 snowboarding. <laughs> that that game is all serious. There's no fun or jokes happening. Part of it is like if you want to do a spin trick, you got to do a bunch of like button inputs, which yeah, doesn't cool make borders, sense. Cool borders, man. Cool borders is all we need. Cool borders was probably a better game, but <laughs> Steve, thanks so much, man. True. Yeah, man. This is this yeah. is this is cool. This is a world that I don't know a lot about, so it's cool to kind of get some in. I love getting inside info about worlds I don't know a lot about, you know, so it's rad to hear from a pro, a real pro. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> well, before we <laughs> before we go, we always end with a segment called uh Thanks No Thanks, Steve. So we'll give you a minute, but what it is is you you pick one, either one thing you're thankful for or one thing you're not thankful for. Uh, just just make sure you only do one. We're kind of sticklers about it. Uh, but we'll go first so you have a second to think. Um, I'm yep. going to say, because it's appropriately uh, appropriate to <clears throat> thank you to Alex Camarena for buying a Nintendo Switch for the ba- for my Epic uh, because mm-hmm. it has given me a new way to... I didn't realize that I needed something else to do that turned my brain, the creative part of my brain off in a certain way and just allowed me to relax and enjoy the world and... And just starting to play video games in the last year and a half has been another way for me to really like just enjoy a Sunday afternoon, and uh, and so thank you, Alex, man. I, I wouldn't have done it without it. So, Alex is the best. Yeah, look into his little teeny band called Silent Planet if you haven't heard of them. Just mm-hmm. a little unheard of metal band. I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw a big thanks to uh, now I'm gonna sound like a shell. But I'm gonna throw a thanks to IKEA because they opened up in Atlanta. And I love IKEA. <laughs> did you get? Did anybody see that? It was a fake news story going around, but it was brilliant. It was um, man gets arrested for putting fake arrows around an IKEA that led to nowhere. Mm. Like during the di- social distancing COVID stuff, where like arrows are being taped on the floor. Oh yeah. And it was just like having them walk around aimlessly to to like to nowhere and stand in. Like That's what I do, anyways, there. just for yeah. fun. I like it. I like it at IKEA. I don't know why. I just really do. <laughs> Something about it. it makes me feel at home. Uh, and I bought a bunch of junk. 
and it was great. I'm and sure there was the like 400 people in line, like no joke. It was insane. The line, I think it took me two hours to check out. Mm. So My, maybe no got? thanks to that line, you know? No, no, no. I can't do that. Okay, I, I take it back. People try to sneak it in there. Man, I'm back and forth. Let's see. Um, yeah, why are you so neutral these days, Jeremiah? <laughs> oh, who knows, man. Um, Steve, is one coming to your mind while, while Jeremiah's uh, wasting our time? <laughs> uh, one diplomatic one and then one really random one. I'm thank- I will diplomatically thank you for having me on the oh, podcast. Thanks, man. And no thanks, no thanks to the pandemic for putting mm-hmm. concern in our daily lives. Yeah, right. Uh, on a food note, I am thankful for the discovery of the Bubba veggie burger. It is. I do not like veggie burgers typically. I'm not much of the Bubba veggie burger. It's a. It's a. They they have regular burgers too. It's a brand called Bubba. It's the greatest veggie burger I've ever tasted in my life. It's life changing. It's like (laughs) I I can have like one a day, and they're good for you too. Bubba veggie burger. Trust me, and you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) We need to get Uh, uh, on a a light ship. <laughs> I love that. I would love, awesome. I would love that one. Are yeah. you a vegetarian, Steve? No, I'm not. That's what's weird. Okay. It's just I had a friend that told me like, there's a place here in South Florida called Houston's. It's a restaurant, and they have their own recipe that's a veggie burger, and it actually tastes about as good as any regular burger I've ever had. But on the heels of that, I was in a conversation, and I had a friend that told me, uh, "Oh, you got to check out." Bubba veggie burgers. I'm like, really? And so I did. And I was like, oh my God, they, these are really good. I mean, who knew? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I heard somebody kinda, talk about them recently. I don't know, flimsy, I, bland, just no no taste to them. Are you eating the normal ones? Because I'm also seeing here like with beets, with white beans, and Latin grill. I don't know if you've tried all those other things. No, not, not Latin grill. Just the classic Bubba veggie burger. The original. It should, it should be like a white and green. Oh, I'm looking right at it, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking right at it. Thinking put them about in the uh, second dinner. Put, put them in the pan with olive oil, five to seven minutes on each side. Heaven. Dude, okay, that's a Strong. hot tip coming in. Jeremiah, can you just love something half that much? Yeah, is it possible? Man. Oh, just half that much. Well, it's funny because a lot of things that are coming to mind is like, well, I'm really enjoying sweet tea these days, and I've really been enjoying. Um, private selections ice cream it's the so i'll give a i'll give a thank you to private selections ice cream i'm not a huge ice cream guy honestly but that sounds like a kroger's kind of deal it is a kroger it's their it's their um (laughs) make you think it's fancy stuff um but it's not any fancier it's just got a fancier logo um but like i get this um it's it's their version of mint chocolate chip, but it's mint chocolate moose tracks, I think. Mm. And the amount of stuff in it, it's just like overstuffed with like, I was like, Hey Meg, check this out. It was like a big chunk of chocolate, like this big, like the size of a sand dollar (laughs) in the middle of (laughs) size of a bread box. (laughs) (laughs) I knew, I I knew it was going to enjoy that. It's sand, but like just huge chunks of like the goodness, you know, whereas usually you're like scraping through for like little flecks of stuff. 
and they just loaded up, man. So it yeah, is. That sounds delicious. I'm gonna go eat ice cream immediately after. <laughs> so, uh, so all of our between the notes fans, go get you a Bubba Burger and go get you some private some... selections ice cream and just <laughs> live your best life. Dude, that's what we're cram saying. Cram your mouth, fill a sand dollar of mint chocolate. And I'm chip discovering ice cream. it. I'm discovering it right at the same time as I'm like. I should do. I should be more healthy about the way I eat. So like now, I'm like not consuming it because I'm trying to do this other stuff. So, well, Bubba Veggie you. Burger is your answer. Yeah, there you there go. There you go, man. There you go. There you yeah, go. It comes I back. do. Well, yeah. As far as the food that I eat, it's good. But I have this junk food thing. I don't know if you're a junk food guy, but I like sweets, you know. So it's just. Well, for, I used to love sweet tea, and I can never have it again uh, because what? I had a kidney, I had a kidney stone. And oh. uh, the kind of stone I had is an oxalate stone, and oxalate is found primarily very heavily in two things. One of them is really healthy. I can never eat spinach again. Sorry, what? Popeye. And by the way, that's another great classic Nintendo game, Popeye. For, for <laughs> okay. But um, uh, spinach and tea leaves, like you find heavy concentrations of oxalate, and it helped form a stone in me, which was pray for death pains, like the worst pain ever. And, uh, so yeah, I, I have to limit or maybe not, not never do it, but just not on a regular basis. And I love sweet tea. When I lived in Tennessee for a few years and it was like people drank it like water. Yeah. Okay. You have me very yeah, worried because I drink like hot tea all day and sweet tea when I'm vacationing. And then I eat, well, I drink, I drink a ton of, you got to drink eight glasses of water a day. You have to eight glasses of water a day, regardless of anything else you drink. And cause otherwise I'm just saying I'm warning ahead of time <laughs> spinach and a lot of sweet tea. And yeah. Cause I'm telling the other thing I was going to say, I drink uh, a vegetable juice for lunch a lot. Cause I try to stay healthy. And the basis of that is usually spinach. So the two liquids I drink the most <laughs> is spinach juice and tea. So you've got me terrified right now. Oh my god! I, I'm just going to tell you it's it's the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. It's it's like, yeah, like I couldn't on, even Steve. think. Steve, uh, it Steve, happened, Steve, and it happens. It, it happened on my birthday a couple years ago. I woke up at three in the morning, and it's this just sharp pain in my side, and I thought my appendix was bursting. Like I I had no idea what it was, oh. and then finally they kind of did an analysis of the the kind of stone it was which is oxalate. And they're like, it was, this is actually more than a few years ago. They're like, what do you eat and drink typically? And I told them something and they're like, cause oxalate is heavy in tea leaves and spinach. I'm like, Oh my God. They're like, so if you, if you, my urologist told me drink a gallon of water a day, if you can stand to and stay away from those things and you'll most likely never get another one. I'm like, well, whatever you tell me, I'm never doing again. Cause no, <laughs> nothing is worth that pain. Wow. <laughs> My life just changed. Just go, two, two, two more be, things to be, be careful, afraid of. Man, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> you just rocked Aaron's world, like literally. You know what? You know what? Goodbye, hey, listen, Steve. I, Goodbye. I, would not, I would not wish a kidney stone on anybody. It is just oh horrible thing. Well, Steve, you mentioned your Twitch <laughs> name, but yeah, where, where else can people find you or what else would you like to push before we head out? Um, just... You know, stay tuned with our uh, Further Seems Forever and the Darling Fire Instagram, Facebook pages. Mm -hmm. The Darling Fire, we will be recording sooner than later. Um, I know we're uh, the guy who wants to uh, work with us. Uh, he's a pretty renowned guy. His name is James Wisner. He's done a lot of bands over the years, including a lot of the Further records. 
Um, he did a lot of the Under Oath records. He's done uh, Joey and Geronimo's former bands. And he's, he's phenomenal. He's based in Orlando. And uh, so we're definitely going to be uh, recording at least uh, an EP worth of material and then maybe kind of pitching that around to uh, eventually be a full length. But uh, other than that, twitch.tv slash Maximum Steve. That's my Twitch channel. You can catch me streaming right now. It's, it's Donkey Kong that I'm streaming still. And, uh, and yeah, other than that, uh, if you're ever in South Florida, Automaton Transport. That's my car service. Mm. Right say, cool. say it one more time. Automaton Transport. Oh, okay. Like it. I like it. Well, it's actually we fly uh, in, we'll have to get we'll have to get transport from the from yeah. the airport. Yep. That that name is actually derived from a from an album called Fire in the City of Automatons by the band called No Knife. Uh, oh. great band from us. Oh yeah. I just assumed it was video game related. So Yeah, no, it's actually not. It's actually music related. Mm. Well, thanks again, Steve. It was a blast. Yeah. Thank you very Seriously, much. Seriously, this has been awesome. Thanks for having yeah. me, guys. And Aaron, lay off the spinach and tea leaves. Yeah, maybe just change your whole <laughs> life, dude. Yeah, like I literally is the. Hey, there's nothing, nothing you can tell, tell me. Would, nothing you could tell me would change my diet more than what you just said. Like it, I would just no, hate. All right. I would hate to. Six months down the road, like I can't believe it. I got a kidney. I mean, it would, it'd be. Hard I'm worried it's gonna happen tonight. So now I'm gonna have to go drink a ton of. I'm gonna pee like seven. Yeah, times. drink a lot of water. Game over. Game over. This is seriously the greatest thing. I'm going to get a kill, game over this sound. Is a kill screen right here. This you just got Aaron's, Aaron's kill, Stone screen. kill screen. <laughs> we got a kill screen over here, people. Put that in your Guinness book. Well, Jeremiah, too, you drink a lot of sweet tea, you said, so you got to be careful. I, I tried to dial it back, but it's I don't know if I have the discipline. So, yeah. Oh, trust me. I, did, I didn't think I did either until that happened. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm, now I'm like falling in, as they say. Fate waits for no man. There you I wouldn't it. have thought that that one of my favorite bands of all time in one hour could have a bigger impact on my life. <laughs> but it just did. It just did. By hook or crook. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Bye, Steve. Thanks a lot. Bye, Steve. Later. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. Take care. Be safe. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude! So <laughs> funny. God, dude, I'm like, I'm uh, like. I thought for sure it was the sugar, dude. I have never said this like before. The tea leaves. I am shook. Like the I, <laughs> then the definition. I am the definition of shook. My dude I'm, is full. I've shook. never said this before. <laughs> like I drink black. You've tea. never been shook. <laughs> Between the notes, the ever since heard the dust.